0: Hello and welcome to episode 153 of the Round Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason.
1: And it has been brought to my attention that this is the Bayleaf episode.
0: Yes, we were off on our pokemon So for those who have been listening the last few episodes, 151 is actually Mew... Not 150, which means 152, our last episode is actually Chikorita, meaning this is Bayleaf. Yes.
1: And And the fact
0: that no one corrected us on this through so many episodes, I know you people are out there. I don't know how I feel about the fact that you're just like, yeah, they all know their Pokemon, and you know what? I'm not even going to tell them.
1: They made us look like idiots.
0: They made us look like idiots. Well, no, they
1: they let us. They let us. They didn't
0: make us. They let us. They allowed it. But we're going to redeem ourselves this episode because we got a lot for you because the dust has settled. We are now a week removed from E3 Also, I'm Jason, he's Angel I don't think we said that Did we say that? You did But you never said your part No Well, he's Angel He's the co-host, there are two of us And in this episode, what I was starting to say is It's a week removed from E3, Dust is sold, And that gives us a chance to share our thoughts, our impressions Even a chance to win some swag from the show floor on this episode which Really? Would... Yes, wow. Richard, I got some extra stuff I got doubles of some stuff specifically to give away How so... nice of you
1: Very nice to me, right? Very weird, because you're definitely not nice. Wow.
0: Okay, just lay it out on the table. But anyway, this episode is, um, yeah, it's called, we're calling it the E3 2017 Odyssey, obviously in honor of Super Mario Odyssey, which is, you know, one of the many, many games we'll talk about this episode. Uh, We're also going to have hands-on impressions and thoughts on everything from Mario and Rabbids to Metroid Prime 4, from first party to third party, so be sure if you... uh, are looking for a specific game or two, go to Rantone.com, go to the blog posters episode. We have timestamps for all the games and all the news, and there's a lot, so will let you jump around. Or you can just cruise through it with us because we're essentially going first-party Switch news, first-party 3DS news, third-party games. That's kind of the hierarchy. But uh, more, most importantly, that giveaway. Don't miss the end of the show because we're going to have a collection of swag that includes a Mario Odyssey capy visor, arms, sleeves, as in, like, their arms that look like arms, but they what have no torso. I have... mean, they're sleeves that look like arms, but they're for your torso. Yeah. We have a pair of those to give away. We have uh, pin sets for arms in Splatoon 2. It's a lot of stuff. And I and honestly, I think it's a lot. Kind of sums up like everything about E3 this year. I mean, Nintendo... Arguably exceeded expectations in sheer quantity of announcements. You can argue quality, but in quantity. <laughs> I think
1: like you saw my face. I like. saw your
0: face. But no, in quantity, all we were promised was Mario and Switch games of 2017. And then out of the blue, we got two Switch games from 2018, Yoshi and Kirby, and two teasers of games even further down the pipe, Metroid Prime 4 and Pokemon. Uh, but before we dive into all that, there's also the it's a lot of just E3 itself. Like, for those who have never been e three has always been kind of crowded, but this year, I feel like it was especially I was there all three days. you were e three from home, shall we say, and um, yeah, and at the show, like it was very crowded i mean it, it's long overdue that the public gets there, but there's no denying that adding fourteen thousand more attendees kind of put a bit of a strain on things like there's all these so all the regular people all the non-industry non-press people had yellow badges instead of clear badges and there were jokes made of, and murmurs of like oh those yellow badges are taking up the spot in line or like "Ah, oh, wait if these yellow badges were in here we totally would have played by now and obviously it's a an interesting psychological study into racism and B it's just like well they're entitled to be there too but it's kind of funny that like even I they paid they paid they're more entitled to be there than I am for example but yeah even um even definitely. I was making some yeah definitely but wow so so passionate about this but uh, yeah even I was kind of making wisecracks to people about like oh all these yellow badge folk but and the thing is because like you know you have Aren't a game you hanging like, out
1: with someone with a yellow badge?
0: I was and I was making the jokes to him about it but the uh, the funny thing is like it, it is noticeable because you know Fire Emblem Warriors for example I waited over two hours for that there's no reason to wait over two hours for that, except for the fact that all these other people that probably wouldn't have been there anyway you know are now there Now, now to be fair it sounds like I'm, like, first-world prompt to extreme. The pros absolutely outweigh the con, in my mind, of having E3 open to the public. Like, there's the fact that, you know, it's E3. That's That in and of itself is kind of cool. Like, everywhere you turn, something crazy or game-related is happening. You know, like, one minute I was walking to the show floor, and there's Miyamoto door next to me walking out with his entourage. Next minute, I'm texting the guy I was hanging out with, who's probably listening to this. Hi. And, um you know I'm walking and texting him and then I get shoved aside by a byguard cause there's Reggie like whisked past the Xbox booth where I was at at the time or like Exciting little things like stuff. that it's riveting stuff but if you're like into games you never have that sort of thing you never have a moment where you go into a Nintendo booth and there's a giant arms tournament in front of you hosted by these like relatively well known esports casters shall we say with you know like a whole lighting rig and there's all Nintendo's like treehouse people showing it off and you get to go talk to them cause there's on the floor like things like that like if you've never been, it's a really cool new experience to go oh, to. Yeah, like yeah that.
1: definitely. Yeah, um, so
0: you're at the really you're at the epicenter of like gaming.
1: The like. magic. I just feel like. I mean, like it's funny because I'm saying this even while still have never been to E3, mm-hmm. but everything you're describing just sounds like slightly bigger versions of what we see at Comic Con because over there it they is. also had tournaments like hosted by like kind of big E3. I mean, yeah. esports people. You see, they, Nintendo still kind of has their booth. Sometimes they go all out with their I guess a little play area.
0: Although, ironically enough, those little play areas are usually lifted out of the oh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's like Comic cons like E3 Junior, in the sense of like when you go E3, it's like. But every... even
1: then, just E3, just for the video game part, because yes. you get so many other. things. Yeah, no,
0: Comic Con I'd say is a more interesting Expo in general. But like, if you want to go like a gaming thing, I mean, there's no other place you go where you walk or you know you walk into a show floor. And it's just interesting games every two feet, or you go into Nintendo's booth and you're literally in like a Disneyland version of like New Donk City without the attractions, just. The look, you know, like the themed area. And it's just like, there's there's just like this excitement when the public was there that wasn't there in past years, that was kind of infectious, just like all the hype and interest that the public had sort of, you know, rubs off on you and suddenly you just that more in- interesting than it would normally be. So, I mean, obviously the downside are the crowds, and sure, companies had to figure out, you know, like how to manage the crowds in their booth, but overall, E3 having more people is a better thing they could probably get away with maybe splitting the press and industry day away from the public like an auto show does. That's why I was saying when they first announced this, and this just kind of solidified that. But they absolutely should keep the public there. So anyone that's saying otherwise, like, no. it's It makes it more of an exciting thing. I think a lot of the in town was able to do the tournaments they did this year, you know, Arms, Platoon, specifically Arms, which was Open Invitational, you need the public for that. It's not like you're going to be like, hey, come to the Open Invitational, um, Best Buy Executive and Wedbush Morgan... Analysts. Like, you need, you know, you need, like, that excitement to capture, to do...
1: I mean, I feel like Nintendo is, like, kind of in the right direction as far as making E3 more interesting. Oh, totally. I at think at it, least because they're going public. They have to have just more things to do, like... Nintendo
0: you, does or in general? In general, like, just... Well, here's the thing. You're not dude. short on time because the lines are so damn long. I know. <laughs> so, so, like, you... No matter... I mean, granted, I did everything I wanted to do and had time to walk around and time to spare, but, like, if I wanted to play both levels of Mario Odyssey, which we'll talk about in a minute here, I had to dedicate, you know, about three hours to play the equivalent of 20, 25 minutes of gameplay. Like, you need... It seems like there's less to do, but you need that time that you have to just wait to do the things you want to do, which Comic-Con's the same thing if you do panels. PAX is the same thing if you do panels. But the difference is it's all... The games are more like immediate. There's more intimate access to access to the games where you don't have that long wait. You just kind of walk up and go. I'll wait five minutes for, you know, Splatoon two. Why not? And then you have it. While at E three, if you want to do the tournaments or whatever, they're, they're giving away awesome Splatoon hats. By the way, like the hats are literally the hats of the of the main inkling on the box. And if you want to do that, you had to wait in a huge line to do sixteen on, or uh, like a four on four in this huge like grid of thirty two uh, systems, and it took a while. So, yes, there's less to do, but you it takes more time per thing, I guess. But yeah, no, you're right. That I, I agree that Nintendo's boot or Nintendo in general is in the right direction. I think it's because they're booths. Like, every year, it's just so cool now. Like, this year, everyone knows. This year, it was themed around New Donk City. If you guys haven't seen it, those listening, we put up a gallery over at the site. If you go to ramtown.com, to the extra section, and click the sites of E3 2017, we have 70 Photos of Nintendo's booth, of Ubisoft's booth, of all the crazy stuff. And what's neat about Nintendo is, like I was sort of saying, they Disneyland it. So like, there are weather patterns in the booth. You know, they'll have rain sound effects start playing, and then suddenly they project shadows of rain falling on all the buildings that, like, are the edges of the booth or uh the carpet. For example, isn't just carpet. It's like some parts look like grass, some parts look like asphalt, some per- parts look like a sidewalk. There are literally parts that said like keep clear as if you're at an intersection right next to the side entrances to the booth. It's it kind of clever. Or like do they even have projections all over the buildings. Like, This is something you didn't really see if you watched um, or if you looked at other galleries or our gallery but you'll be standing in the booth waiting for Mario. You look up oh hey there goes a little Mario running along the buildings or oh look there goes you know how you can like zap him up the electric line in Mario Odyssey by possessing the power line? You see that animate on the side of the building or there's fireworks over the skyline or coins appear in between buildings and disappear. Like, it's a it's a neat effect. So, I, I think Zelda last year actually might have topped it slightly just because they only had one game, so they were both focused more on the, like, interactive experience. Like, they had the cooking. They had a life-size version of the cooking in Zelda, where if you step on a certain part of the booth it would come to life and start dancing. There was no room for that this year. But, besides that, it was a very good booth. Mm, so, so, where's
1: all that stuff? Just, like, in a warehouse somewhere? Probably.
0: I think... I don't even know. Or Miyamoto the office. Well, the, uh, Miyamoto's office by this point would be overstuffed, <laughs> even if he has the biggest office. It's like, out. Nintendo's headquarters is not that huge of a building. I yeah. mean, when I was in Japan, it's decent size for sure. It's a big corporate building, but, like, I don't think they have a room where you can have a comfortable office and every single giant life-size Mario and Zelda. Because literally they had the whole Odyssey from our Odyssey, the actual ship, like, full-size, perfect replica Mario, full-size. So, yeah, but I think um, I said this before and we're going to talk a lot about this, I think the game variety, like just the number of games, what games we saw and everything, kind of exceeded what what I expected at least. Because it was, it was nice to see that in 25 minutes they went through as many games as they did. They did 2017, 2018, 2019, and maybe. like I don't know when Metroid and Pokemon are happening. But it's kind of cool to see that the Switch has a bright future in a sense of just a the, the quantity of games. I know we're both going to probably have some things to say about the, the choices of games, but the quantity is certainly there. And then Trios Live only first solidified that in my mind, and then it expanded the idea of like, oh, look how bright the future is to like all the Nintendo pillars. Like 3DS got a new Metroid out of nowhere. The Mario Luigi Superstar remake was confirmed. There's Sushi Striker, also out of nowhere, and then even the Amiibo pillar, if you will, is like suddenly super active again. There were 13 Amiibo announced over two days. I think. I mean, that's a lot for um, for a thing that before Breath of the Wild came out, Amiibo were down if I remember correctly, something like two-thirds year over year, I think it was literally like 68%, then Breath of the Wild happened and they started rebounding, and now Nintendo's like, well, here's our shot, let's go all in so we got like the Wedding Mario set we got Goomba. we got a Koopa, we got two for Fire Emblem, four for uh, Zelda featuring the Breath of the Wild champions two for Metroid because of Santa's Returns, plus the already announced Pikmin one, plus the already announced Zelda 30th anniversary, plus the already announced Smash Bros. 1's and Splatoon two ones, like it, it's a, it's a lot of amiibo. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I mean, like, did a, are you? Because I remember you telling me you were gonna get, you pre-ordered the Metroid one, right? And then canceled it. Yes. What, what happened there? So, because like obviously Nintendo wants to keep not having year over year drops of two thirds. So this is the attempt. Because these are higher quality, I'd argue. Like the squishy Metroid is literally squishy. They look very nice in person. They're really sharp. So this is like the Hail Mary. This is them going like, okay, this is now or never. We're going to double down on all the biggest IPs, and we're going to see if they do well. But it doesn't seem to be working for one of their biggest fans, i.e. you. What's up?
1: Yeah, Metroid is one of my favorite franchises. If not – actually, no, definitely not anymore. Rhythm Heaven is definitely my favorite Nintendo franchise right now. Then probably Metroid and Smash Brothers. But regardless, yeah, I did pre-order it because at first I was like, oh, instant buy. But yeah, I don't know. After like two days of just like thinking about them, like, do I need this? Like, have any of the amiibo really done anything besides the Smash Brothers ones? No. Like, and even then, like, just for the game Smash Brothers, like, there was just no reason for me to have them, or I even felt justified. I couldn't even justify owning one because, at the end of the day, I just all I really want from any kind of figurine, most first and foremost, is just posability. Mm-hmm. Get me as accurate as a sculpt as possible, mm-hmm. and make it as posable as possible. And I realized, all right, I already so have. So you should love the Guardian. So I already have no. It's posable, as posable as possible. That's yeah.
0: as possible in Nintendo's mind. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, sorry, that does not even saying. cut it. I was being a little facetious. You're saying.
1: And um, I mean, I already got the Smash Brothers mule because at least those, like, all right, these exist in the Smash Brothers universe. I pretty much have accurate representations of what they are in that yep. game. So I have the Samus Lump, but I also have the Figma Metroid other M. That's super and super accurate. And they just announced a Metroid Prime Samus mm-hmm. from Figma. That's also super and super accurate. So I'm for you, those that. make more
0: sense than the little yeah, like, stationary...
1: Yeah, this is no point for me to get any more Amiibo. I just have the, the Smash Brothers ones. I mean, I got the Bowser one because it's Bowser. Right. Oh, or, the Wedding Bowser?
0: Yeah. Yeah, dude. That is quite possibly the best Amiibo period
1: in Amiibo history and yeah, I mean, in the I future. Got, Cause I mean, I have the Smash Bros one, I have the Skylanders one. Yep. Like, there's no reason for me not to get the Bowser. You gotta have all the Bowsers. One. Yeah, exactly. But, but yeah, and that's and that's kind of the the gist of it. I'm just like narrowing down where I can because yeah, at the end of the day, you just re- you look back and realize, like, man, I really did not need to buy some of these. Right. Yeah. I feel like I'm kind of like, I, reg- I, I kind of regret buying Tom Nook, even though I only bought him for five bucks. Dude,
0: he's seventy nine cents on at Best Buy right now, and I'm still not buying him. <laughs>
1: but that I I tweeted joking Didn't that you that's buy him ca- for 12? I don't have Tom Nook. You bought a Animal Crossing amiibo for 12 bucks so for full price. Maybe, but I couldn't tell you who because I don't remember. Don't you I don't know? think I
0: ended up buying any No, Animal you definitely Cross- have... Uh, KK. I have
1: KK. No. No, because then you would have had the, the things we kept calling llamas, but they were alpacas or something, and then we started laughing right. about
0: it. You're right, and then I had to issue a correction for the podcast because we definitely have deeply a... offended the llama community. You have
1: a Animal Crossing amiibo because I remember you um, specifically buying one for full price and me making money for it. I did, and it
0: wasn't Tom Nook, but I don't remember who it was, and yes, it did go on sale. Shows how much I care about the the amiibo, right? Exactly. That kind of but, but here's my what's point. funny. Here's what's funny, though. So for you, your least content realization. For me, I have Wedding Bowser pre ordered. I have the Pikmin And Amiibo he doesn't even board. remember which ones he's bought in. Yeah. They're just saying um, in a little pile in their boxes still. I'm a problem. Oh God. But, you know, it's fine though because, like, the Pikmin one looks awesome in person. And I'm really excited to get it. And it's weird because that was literally the only presence Hey, Pikmin had on the entire show floor. At the entire show. It wasn't in Treehouse Live. It wasn't anywhere. But there was that Amiibo. And it looks great. And I know come July 28th or whatever, I'm going to get it. I'm going to be super psyched. and be like, this is great and then a month later if you ask me how's your Pikmin Amiibo I'll be like oh you know it's with all the others like it's weird because they don't really serve a game purpose and Tom keeps saying they're gonna serve a purpose presumably like the champion Amiibo for DLC for the DLC pack for Zelda coming out in December oh, supposedly so those so will it's do not something not 20 book
1: DLC There's, it's really like I don't know 60 I guess
0: well if you if the Amiibo are, are critical to it if they're optional then no it's 20,
1: as promised. <laughs> you get to play as those champions
0: if you have the amiibo. That would be actually kind of insane. And just in terms of, like, you don't... That would almost be, like, Majora Mask stats because that's the last time you got, like, embody like, a, you know, some of those species. So that that would be interesting. But my, I guess it's... Yeah, I guess it will be interesting to see if this gamble works for Nintendo, because, like, right now we have someone, you, who is an example of how it's not going to work, and then you have me, who's, like, sort of a sucker for it, but even I realize it's a mistake. Like, there's no... I don't know how this is going to be a long-term strategy, the amiibo thing.
1: It's not. It's not. Toys
0: to Life is kind of dying, and Amiibo somehow has been able to buoy itself back up thanks to Breath of the Wild. And I think Nintendo's hoping they can do it again now, but time will tell, you know. But beyond that, unless there's anything else you want to say about Amiibo, beyond that... I guess not. Is there? No, I Uh, I guess not. Oh, I thought you were like, well, I guess because you said beyond that. No, the, the real Star V3, of course, was the games. And we have somehow managed to spend almost twenty minutes talking about e three without actually mentioning any of the games. So let's switch over to the games. And if you step back, if you look at
1: twenty seventeen,
0: like you already think about this because we're always looking forward. But if you just like rattle off a list of what we got in twenty seventeen as Nintendo fans, this is
1: a-, it's a lot of Nintendo games.
0: It's an insane year for like top tier Nintendo games. I mean, have yeah. we ever had a year with a new Zelda, a new Mario, a new Metroid, Fire Emblem, Pokemon, Mario Kart? New IPs, Arms and Splatoon 2, like that's kind of nuts, right? Like that's you don't see that's like a banner. That's like a banner three years, but all in one. Like Nintendo's really hitting out of the park. It is, it yeah. Is. yeah and then I, I mean, I, I, I will not deny that. Yeah, it's like it's just like what well, a good year being a Nintendo fan. Not just to see like the Switch do well and have a cool new system that's really nice hardware, but it's yeah. like just get the about heavy whatever. Will... Oh, and Xenoblade. That's another. What was like, it that newer...
1: um, there's the shortening of? Hmm? There's like a. Well, I'm like totally blanking out on the word, but they're running out of a certain resource. I forgot like the proper way to say it. Obtainium in the Avatar movies? I don't know what you mean. <laughs> running out of a resource? Something that's causing the... Wow. It's come back to me later. I, okay, sure. I'm, I'm totally blanking out on a very common vocabulary word. I don't
0: even know where you're going with this. Thing. All right. Well, of all those games, we should start with the biggest to kind of bring it back to that huge list that I just talked about. And that biggest one of the bunch that was at three, is by far Super Mario Odyssey. So let's talk Odyssey and let's just get this out of the way up front. I'm just gonna be honest. Mario Odyssey is, in my opinion, after playing it and many others, the game of E3 is the game of the show. It, like, I I don't know how better to describe it than just like is an absolute joy to play. Like, that sounds so like cringy, but no, seriously, it's just really fun. It like perfectly captures that more open vibe of Mario Sunshine and 64. The controls are really tight, like, especially weirdly enough, Mario's cap being uh cappy being mapped to the joy-con motions you can use x and y to do it that's fine but flicking to throw tilting the joy-cons kind of left and right almost in like an arms sort of way to steer where the cap goes weirdly kind of satisfying in the same way that like throwing a punch in arms is kind of satisfying and like the hd rumbles used very well at one point you can hop on moped in new donk city and it rumbles like there's a little moped engine inside but then if you're over in the sand kingdom stage and you're on a moving platform the vibration's kind of like this gentle hum almost as if you're like you know, humming along on a platform. It's just everything's Just it's so good about it. And like, I, I I had the opportunity to try both publicly available demo stages. So I did New Donk and I did Sand Kingdom, and I walked away with this feeling. You don't mean that Sand Desert? You're yeah. I kept calling it Sand Desert right after E3, and you're like, "That's not. That can't be a name. That that is not a name. Like it is a name." And then sure enough, two days later, you text me, and it's not a name. But uh, yeah, I I walked away from Odyssey with a feeling that as much as it feels like 64 and Sunshine it's also really unique and different in its own way it's kind of like the best analogy I could come up with when I first played it and of course it's been regurgitated by a ton of people in the weeks since like everyone had kind of the same takeaway is that it's sort of the breath of the wild of the Mario franchise and to be clear I'm not saying that means
1: you can cook and yeah I'm not saying that means you
0: can cook I'm not saying that means you have a, a paraglider I'm not even saying it's the same style of open world is actually pretty different. Like, I think the best way to sum it up is bar an analogy that uh, Bill Trennan of NOA put on the Treehouse blog recently. He described the game in, as the way to describe uh, the developers describe it, which is this idea of a garden in a box, meaning that every nook, every cranny of every level is intentionally designed to have a little thing to discover or find. Like, Breath of the Wild is more of this giant... If, if we run with the like garden analogy, Breath of the Wild is like a giant forest in a way, more than a small garden. Like, yes... There's plenty of things that are put there intentionally. You know, you plant some trees to start a forest, or you, like, maybe put a log over here because you cut down a tree, or maybe you're building a campfire, so you have a thing over there. But a lot of what's interesting in a big forest is, and in this case that is an analogy for Zelda's physics and chemistry engine, is kind of seeing what happens in nature, seeing how things come about on their own, seeing how you influence things, and just, like, watching it unfold and seeing what happens. In Mario Odyssey, you can experiment in ways that exceed other Mario games, but at least from what I gathered from the demo and what I saw on Treehouse Live, every outcome is one that is very consciously specifically put there by a developer. It's not like they have a chemistry engine and they're like, hey, if you uh you know, if you put a boulder in stasis, you can use it to fly across the stage. Like that was something people discovered just by you know, messing with the physics. Mario Odyssey, if that's there, if there's an equivalent to that, that's because the developers want there to be equivalent to that. And for a Mario game, I think that makes sense. Because you know, Mario is about type type platforming. You want like to find hidden away things. It's about, like, searching for things somewhat. So you kind of want, I don't know how very were like, a level of, I guess, curation. Unlike Zelda, where you're, it's more about, like, making sense of the world, while Mario's a very, like, you know, it's curated. It's honed in. It's like, this is what we want you to experience. This is how you experience it. So, based on the Odyssey demo and what nintendo has been saying, it seems like they actually, it seems like they hit the nail on the head with that. Like, it seems like they're doing it well. Um, but, to be to Odyssey and where I draw kind of the Breath of the Wild parallel they're doing that well but they're doing it at a much bigger scale where there is more experimentation. Granted you're picking like the developers are assigning what you're going to experiment with and on and how but it's at a much larger scale in Odyssey than we've seen with any other Mario game. You see it immediately with how the game is structured. Like 64 Sunshine you're given tasks in each level right? You know it's like hey you need to get a king stop king Bob on the top of the mountain in the first level of 64 or collect a shine by going through this maze in Sunshine or whatever, right? That is correct. But, thank you. But in New Donk City, they still have that, but it's kind of, they all flow together. So like, for example, one of the things I did in New Donk City was I helped Mayor Pauline. How how great is it that Pauline is back, by the way, first time in like 30 years? She's going to be in every Mario Kart going forward. You know that, right? Like, she's going to be the new Rosalina. But uh, I had to find four, I had to find four band members for her and kind of put her band back together so you could throw a music festival. So I could do that, and I could complete that, and then I don't get booed out of the level like in sunshine sixty four I can just go do something else. they're all strung together, or if I prefer, I don't even have to do the task that I started at when I started the level like if uh, in sand Kingdom, for example, some people discovered there's a hidden ice cavern, like a whole other set of a level of level like of the level inside the level. I never found that because I was just going down one path following one mission to another mission which was collecting just moon fragments. But if you take a different route, there's a whole other moon fragment for your collecting. You don't have to decide ahead of time on the little menu where you select which of the eight missions. I'm now doing the Ice Cavern mission. It just sort of flows together. It's like one big open world, kind of, except curated.
1: Yeah, it's pretty much like Banjo-Kazooie since you could just grab your Jiggy and just keep on going. Like You don't have to do them in any order. Yeah, Banjo-Kazooie is the
0: perfect analogy for it. It, It's interesting because... like,
1: Except for some reason, I mean, I don't know why. To me, it just kind of felt... Kind of like a bad thing. I mean, not really. Um, How pretty much it felt like everything, single little thing, gave you a moon shard. Like, it definitely. But there's like. No, I know. 30 but, to 50
0: per stage, apparently. I
1: know, exactly. Um, I remember, I guess, because there were fewer stars, were fewer jiggies in those worlds. I guess it just felt more important or harder to get. But, like, in that example that you gave, we had to help Pauline find mm-hmm. four band members. Like, every single one gives you a moon shard. Yeah. And it just felt. I don't know. I guess you But they
0: just, you really want moon. Full moons.
1: Oh, yeah. There are moon shards and there are moons. Well, fine, fine. Full <laughs> moons. I mean, yeah, you get but, like, but
0: the moon shards no different than when you collect the pieces. I know, no, yeah. To get the star. Yeah. Yeah. But I get your point that...
1: Well, yeah. Well, yeah a lot yeah, more... Yeah, it's a lot more collect-a-thon. Yeah, really. yeah your, your main currency is like the full moons or whatever. They yeah. Are, yeah. And I think... I honestly think you You feel more arbitrary you now. No, it or, is
0: uh, somewhat. And I think that's a really interesting comparison you made to Banjo-Kazooie because it... Odyssey is basically the Banjo-Kazooie of... of uh, of Mario, and I mean that in a few ways, in that, like, if you look at 64, if you look at Sunshine, if you look at Galaxy, well, Galaxy more linear, but so it proves this point for more, but 64 and Sunshine, they claimed they were kind of open world, they looked open world, but at the end of the day, every single mission, every single goal you did when you went back those eight times, was about getting from point A to point B. It's about traversing from a starting point to an ending point. Banjo-Kazooie, and what made it stand out in the 64 days, I'd argue, is that was more about Finding things, yeah, collecting things, around. walking around, like that was. That was it was not the garden in the box in the 64 Yes, it is, is the garden in a box. So, what's happening now is Odyssey is sort of going to that setup, but it's doing it under the guise of 64 and Sunshine yeah, styling,
1: they can... yeah, I mean... which
0: isn't necessarily a bad thing. Depends on how they weigh the they collectathon. They just replace
1: the what are those dudes called? Oh yeah, instead of gingos and feathers and whatever, you're just collecting a bunch of moons. Also, gingos
0: are single-handedly one of the best things that were ever on N64. Just so you know, not not Bandersnatch, just the gingos. In, I used to love them as a kid. But but yeah, it's interesting because if you can comp- if you combine like that aspect of like it's about exploration with the stuff I say about the open world, like it being bigger. With the, did you know how do you know how the death system works in Sun- in uh, Odyssey? Right, it's totally different now. Oh yeah,
1: it's Coinbase.
0: Yes. It mirrors Breath of the Wild again in that Breath of the Wild, they encourage you to die. They want you to die because you learn through your deaths how to succeed. Odyssey is not going that route. There's no one up mushrooms. There's no lives. There's nothing like that. You die, you lose 10 coins. Oh, no, that means there's one less costume you can buy. That's it. Eventually, which, when you get zero coins, something presumably will happen, but presumably you never reach that point.
1: Yeah, which makes sense because like a lot of platformers, if you notice nowadays, like especially like the really tough platformers, they're even... Yeah some 3D one like you have no game overs you just die and just keep going yeah it's almost like they're like you know what why have the person go all the way back to the main menu and have to wait through all of that just let them keep playing like I remember Rayman mm-hmm. Rayman Legends um yeah like they don't yeah they don't have any game over. you just continue right where you left off. Super Meat Boy all of the other ones
0: yeah it's kind of it's like death in game death in gaming used to be a holdover from arcades I feel like it was a way to get more oh, yeah. money out of you as a way to, you know it's a way to get more money out of you yeah. um I just said the same point twice in two different tones, but it's uh, about yeah. getting you back in the game as soon yeah, as possible. Yeah, it's not yeah. as critical, and as a result, we see Zelda not do it, Mario not do it. I'm sure I would not be shocked if a Metroid Four runs, rolls around. If when Metroid Prime that, Four like, happens, death might not. Like it be wasn't. A thing a, thing
1: that I matters. feel like it wasn't until Zelda that Nintendo started kind of making death not feel as like yeah. a hurdle. Like yeah, if it, now yeah exactly now it's more of a learning experience. But mm-hmm. before you could tell that they were trying to. I guess make it easier for you not to die like they gave you so many lives in Super Mario 3D World Super Mario yeah. 3D Land like you just had so many lives that you didn't know what to do with they
0: were afraid of breaking the commitment to an idea of a life because they thought I, I think the developers were probably like that's what video games are you have lives and you, you try not to lose yeah, them yeah they
1: were like oh as long as you stay at 99 lives you don't get Mario doesn't have a hat yeah. or something but
0: then you see something like Breath of the Wild where it's just like actually no the experience is enough to drive it it doesn't matter if you die it doesn't matter if you live it, who cares at this point and I think that, they claim Odyssey wasn't influenced by Breath of the Wild, but, I mean, some stuff for sure was. Uh, yeah, the Banjo-Kazooie thing, though, speaking of influences, I, I'm i telling you, those, so the other new thing in Odyssey is obviously transformations. You can capture enemies and turn into them, and that felt, in the demo,
1: just like Banjo-Kazooie. Well,
0: I guess Banjo-Tooie was the one where you really transform more than in Kazooie. I mean, they both had it, but Tooie really leaned on it more, didn't it? Yeah, or, dude. I yeah.
1: mean, almost every world had a transformation so, in so Kazooie, is, but... Yeah. yeah,
0: so this is kind of that, you know, and it, it actually feeds into the whole exploration idea in the same way Banjo-Kazooie did. Like, I, you know, I turn into Bullet Bill. I could fly a parts of the level I didn't even know existed well, in the Sand Kingdom. I turn into, the, as I mentioned earlier, the power lines in New Donk City. Mm-hmm. You reach new tops of buildings with all sorts of new challenges by possessing a power line. Yeah, like that's, that's, the, a, that's the thing that Mario
1: know. never really had that, um, I guess, Banjo with it. Because... Um, yep. Yeah, like, Mario just kind of gets power-ups, but in Banjo-Kazooie, you're, like, you're slowly increasing your arsenal of, like, in the beginning, like, Kazooie can only float. Eventually, you can fly, then you can do a triple jump, then you can do, like, a long-leg walker. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of other things that just let you, almost like Metroidvania, like, mm-hmm. reach places you can't reach before. But Mario, like, as far as I can tell, never learns any new moves. Like, in Sunshine, he never learns anything new. It's no. just whatever he has access to.
0: And I think I think that's And this is no into, different. Yeah. It's
1: just like, oh, what enemies are available? That means they can't... I don't know. I guess flying this world because there are no bullet bills. Basically. But but see, it does. It's a hybrid. I, yeah, I mean, nothing it wrong with both. that. Yeah, no, no,
0: no, no, no. It has both because there's the transfer, transforming to enemies to discover new things in the current world as is, and then there's the costume system on top of that. At first glance, the costume system. Looked like it was just Mario Maker's costumes put in 3D. It was like, oh, hey, look, it's Safari Mario, or the Patriotic Golf outfit from Golf on NES, or or the Chef outfit from Yoshi's Cookie, how funny, or look, it's Mario Maker Mario, oh, that's great, I love him in a zoot suit, whatever, whatever, right? Turns out, it came out in the treehouse, different costumes will get you access to different things in different levels, and presumably you unlock these costumes in different ways, so... You have the transformations of Banjo-Kazooie to help you navigate to other parts of the level that are currently there in a very Mario fashion as power-ups, like a new power-up system. And then simultaneously, they also borrow the idea of sort of upgrading yourself to get access to new things to encourage going back, at least in theory, because that's what the costumes look to do. And I've already said, every single amiibo is going to be supported in the game, which I assume means costume, 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 costume. So, or just coins, or just coins, but probably, probably, at least some of them will be costumes because I mean, it really does feel like a 3Dification of uh, Mario Maker's costume system, which was a hugely popular thing in yeah. terms of just. Yoshi's like is what World of Field did at the birth. Yeah, Yoshi did it really well too. So this is just kind of that going one step further. So, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see like the the balance between the power up system, which is just what is kind of what transformations become, even though they feel just like the Banjo Kazooie ones in terms of gameplay versus, like, costumes to actually unlock things in the way Banjo-Kazooie metroidvania did itself. I um, you know, time will tell. But to bring it to bring it full circle, though, with Breath of the Wild, I have one more thought. And that is just the idea that, like, I think if you look at, based on what I've seen, based on what I've played, I think if you look at the transformations and you look at the costumes and you look at this kind of new emphasis on more exploration and less on, like, uh, traversing a point A to B and all that, It's very reminiscent to me of how Breath of the Wild introduced verticality to Zelda, where it's like, okay, that's just a kind of different angle on Zelda, but actually makes a noticeable difference. Like, you have to think in different ways as well, because it's not just left-right, it's also up-down. This is not just, you know, like, oh, where can Mario go now, but it's also like, what can he do if I possess this, if I possess that? And it's just like you have to use a different part of your brain for it, kind of. Or like, your muscle memory tells you to do one thing for Mario, and this is... It's zigging when it should be zagging, or zagging when it should be zit. You know what I mean? Like it's just a little twist on it. So it'll it'll be cool to see how it plays out. And by the way, the the enemies all do feel different. Like when you are Mario and you take over, like the Easter Egg Island, the Easter Island, um, Easter Egg Island, the Easter Island looking guy with the sunglasses in Sand Kingdom, he controls very differently than say a Bullet Bill, than say Mario, than say Mario riding a moped, than say a human in New Donkey. So like it actually does feel like you are taking over these different things, which is something Andrew Kazui did really well. Like when you were the washing machine or whatever, you really felt like you were a big hunkin' metal box. Like the, the like the physics for each character are notably different, which is kind of cool. So I guess to sum it all up, if you couldn't tell, based, uh, at least for me, I'm pretty excited for Mario Odyssey based on what I played, based on what I saw. It just feels right, like the personality, the polish, the attention to detail, even in an E3 demo, which you know. This is months before the game's release. It's clearly an unfinished product, but there's just so many little cool touches. Captain Toad was in there. Uh, the map, like when you open the map, it's like a travel pamphlet. Like it all just feels really thought out, tight knit. They, they did a really good job and it gives me real confidence that like Mario Odyssey is going to be the game to play this fall. It's good. They're going to knock it out of the park, I think. Like I was very, very, very
1: happy. 3D games typically don't do that well, don't they?
0: Uh, they don't sell as well as 2D, no. No, that's not. So say they still they don't do, do well. well. They do quite well. They're just the 2D's were kind of the pinnacle of the sales. Yeah, because so
1: I remember seeing well. like, um, I guess it's Line Graph where they overlay every single Mario game 3D or 2D. Mm-hmm. It just looks like the 2D games are like ten times like. It's because
0: taller. the 2D. So the 2D was always selling better because it's simpler. Yeah, and that's why we started to see them move away from Sunshine structure. 3D land. Oh, look,
1: it's still 2D, but sort
0: of. 3D land was really the start of Galaxy was the real start, but then 3D land really took it to to the next logical step. Of okay, what if we just took the idea of left to right but turned it and
1: just really limit your mobility? Yeah,
0: it's it's literally. I mean, Sunshine and 64, the whole traversing from point A to B, it was there. There's just so much uh, like fluff around it that gave you more freedom that some people felt a disconnect that you know some lesser gamers felt a disconnect and didn't really know what they were doing so they tried with Galaxy, they tried a 3D Land, tried a 3D World. I think they basically hit the point where like, you know what, we don't necessarily need to do that. We can have two series for two audiences so now they're going back in the Odyssey direction and Zelda proved that you can make a toy more like open-ended, do-what-you-want thing and it works well. So The best part of Odyssey is it comes out really soon. Like, much sooner than we thought. Well, not really soon. We thought it was coming in November. I think everyone thought that. But instead, it's coming October 27th that's like a month earlier that's like only four months if I'm doing my math right so that that's pretty cool and based on number of sites that gave Odyssey like E3 game a show or the fact that it was the number one trending video on YouTube the day its trailer came out or the fact that it was the second most watched second most watched E3 trailer of the of this year on YouTube I think that all together means that Nintendo's got a pretty big hit on their hands like maybe it might not buck the trend of 2D out 3D but they're certainly going to have a big hit on their hands so so that that's cool. And it's a really fun game. I cannot stress that enough. But well, one thing I do have to wonder is if Odyssey is in October, what's up in November? What's going on in November? What's the big November release? Xenoblade, I guess? I, I guess so. Because I mean, Xenoblade is only yet. holiday.
1: What? I mean, that one's the only one that's not dated, right? I mean, Correct. Poken's in only, September. It's
0: only, Poke in September. Fire Emblem's just fall. Uh, Splatoon, obviously, is before out. Rabbids is before out. Yeah, it must be Xenoblade. And, you know, I don't I don't personally have a whole lot to say about Xenoblade Chronicles 2 I never played the first one, I never played X I'm not too well versed in its world but I do think it's interesting that if you look at what they showed in the trailer if you look at what they're doing with the game Nintendo's really throwing their weight behind this one Like it could be their big holiday game just because they're taking a bit of a gamble I mean this time around they're going worldwide simultaneous release which is new for it they're enlisting the uh, uh, Tetsuya Nomura I'm probably butchering that name but you would know his work because he is a character designer for Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts, he did the Final Fantasy ten characters and up. He did the Kingdom Hearts cast, and having him do the characters for Xenoblade that's that's a bit of, that's a pretty penny they're paying for that. And on top of that, they also have it being localized by Nintendo of Europe, who handled the original Xenoblade to very positive feedback from fans. So from Nintendo's angle, it really looks like they're doing everything right with Xenoblade uh, Chronicles two. And if you couple that with the fact that the Switch this will be the first really big explorative kind of fantasy set game since Breath of the Wild like it seems like they're kind of hedging their bets that a lot of people that are done Breath of the Wild might want something sort of similar but also different in Xeoblade Chronicles 2 even more so than Mario even though I was making all the comparisons to Breath of the Wild Xeoblade Chronicles 2 would fit that mold so it's a gamble to make it their big November game but if you follow it as like kind of down the path from Breath of the Wild it could make sense to be their big game like, I could see them trying to push it as such. I think it's reaching that tipping point where it has potential to blow up.
1: So, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I,
0: apparently, like, the new stuff, like, new battle system, different art style, but I really, like, I don't mean, have I don't enough know knowledge too, about the franchise.
1: To, uh, I mean, so. I don't know too many people that played didn't Blade Chronicles, but those that have definitely really seem to like it. Yeah,
0: and I, th- and I think that's why is now hedging their bets because like, so. well, we know there's a passionate fan base. We know it'll click with a lot of people. We just need to get it in front of them and do it in an enticing way. So, if you make it a holiday game and give it a huge marketing push, that's kind of an enticing way. So, who knows? On the other side of that same coin, though, like, there's how Nintendo's handling Fire Emblem Warriors, which is very ho hum. Like, you may recall Hyrule Warriors received a huge push from Nintendo in the Wii U days, but so far it feels like Fire Emblem Warriors is kind of being met with a shrug. Like, I don't know. It's in a booth at E3 where Nintendo had 70 Mario Odyssey demo units, something like 32 Splatoon 2 units. Four Mario and Rabbit units. Four FIFA 18 units. Fire Emblem had a total of two units. Two demo units. In a back corner. So that meant that if you had any interest in the game, I kind of set, alluded to this at the top of the show, uh, you had to wait like two hours just to try it. For comparison, Mario Odyssey, the like game of show for many people, you only had to wait 90 minutes. And I waited the two hours for Warriors, because so I was curious. And I walked away saying, yeah, it, it is a Warriors game, all right? Yep, it's what it says to be. So, maybe that's why you are not pushing it. I don't know. To be fair, it, it's not a bad thing That's just a Warriors game. I mean, if you like Tyra Warriors, there's probably a lot you're going to like here. If you like Fire Emblem, you're probably going to enjoy this because of the way it kind of weaves the franchise in and out. Like, what if characters you don't really care for the story? franchise? Do you think this one would change anyone's mind. I don't think minds? this is going to convince anyone. No. Like, I don't think you, for example, because you're not a big Fire Emblem guy. You aren't big on Warriors. I don't think you would get
1: flipped by this. Oh, no. Well, no. I mean, like, honestly, like, that wouldn't cut me, like, Specifically, just people on the fence because there's some people that oh, it's a good it's good for that are just indifferent and I mean maybe if they try it they'll like it. I mean I've had plenty of opportunities to try any of the Warriors games and they just just don't yeah they just don't appeal to me. Yeah,
0: no, I think I think if you have any amount of interest, I get their
1: appeal, but yeah. yeah,
0: if you have any amount of interest, this will probably do it. Like it's well made, it's just not. It huh. doesn't stand out. I mean, it it just... feels like war, like literally it's *Hire Warriors*, but they swap things out. So like, instead of Zelda characters in the plot, it's like, Oh, Hey, I got to try to play as a, I think I was Marth, Crom and Corrin uh, over the course of the demo. Or like, you know, you can, uh, you can see that if you like fire emblem, there's, um, in the regular fire emblem games, there's three different art styles at any one time for characters. You got your 3d cutscenes with 3d polygonal characters. You got your 2d talking head, like hand-drawn animations. They got little pixel guys on the map. So naturally, in Fire Emblem Warriors, you got your 3D polygonal characters, you got your 2D talking heads, and then on the map, the little pixelated guys. It's like they're trying to mirror it, but it's not in a way that's going to make someone be like, "Well, I didn't like Warriors before, but now that they got the three different art styles, I'm totally in." You know, <laughs> like it's not. And similarly, they um, also, I know, I don't know why I noticed this, but in Hyrule Warriors, the map was kind of beige. In this one, they split the map into red and blue, kind of like uh, the same territory colors as enemies and allies in the Fire Emblem games. It's so, like there's always little things where, like, oh, I see what they did there. That's very Fire Emblem, but it's not much different than any other warrior games. I mean, they're bringing in some ideas from Fire Emblem, like in the mainline Fire Emblem games, um, Awakening and Fates. Mainly, there's that whole pair up system where you can sort of you put yourself next to a fellow ally member of your party. And you get to basically do more powerful attacks together. That's in here now. You can summon an enemy to or not an enemy, sorry, you can summon a fellow hero to fight alongside you against enemies in the like you know, in the three D like button mashing space that is warriors. So that's kind of a neat thing. The attacks are very flashy in a way that matches Fire Emblem, like Hyrule Warriors, you may recall from footage and stuff that was just kinda of like you know, you do a big attack and there's a big flashy thing that happens on screen, that's it, but this one does, like, the whole, like, anime zoom-in on the face cut-in, which Fire Emblem did for big powerful attacks, too, so they're, like, trying to draw parallels, but ultimately, and they they even actually bring in the attack triangle. Now, I didn't get to really put this to the test, because I was quite frankly kind of button-mashing, but they do bring in the weapon triangle, like, the attack triangle of the rock-paper-scissors system that is Fire Emblem. It it got kind of buried mean for me. That was fire emblem? It still is fire emblem. Didn't
1: they get rid of it? In they're any, only in
0: echoes because it's like a side story thing. Still the most it'll, it'll, fire be emblem, it'll be in Switch. It'll be in the Fire Emblem Switch. What, next what year. We have to wait and see. Oh well, I would bet you it will be there. But anyway, um, yeah, I didn't really get experiment experiment with that. But one thing I did notice that was kind of interesting is they have a system in place. I don't recall how it being high rewards. Maybe it was. But if you want to do special attacks, you have to hold down a shoulder button, and they have four different face buttons that do four four different things, like summon your ally to join you they just have random icons like i had no idea why i was i was trying to figure out what i was doing but it's like so much is going on at once you don't know, have time to read like control piece of paper under the system and you're just kind of like okay i think i'm doing this thing. i think i'm something that i think i'm doing this and there's meters you fill that let you do these special attacks and all that so once you, once that all clicks i'm sure this will be a lot like very it is satisfying i just plowed your enemies it's as satisfying as it's ever been i'm sure it'd be more so once i get you know all that becomes second nature but in the demo, I just like, this is a lot of warriors happening right now. There's just warriors everywhere. It is very warriors. So so we'll see. I mean, they, they are adding some new stuff that may entice people that aren't familiar with the franchise. There's Colosseum mode coming in. That one is uh, basically go one-on-one against Fire Emblem characters in like arenas. So it's almost like a fighting game, except using the battle system of, uh, you know, of warriors. But yeah, beyond that, I mean the, the demo delivers on what it says to be it said this Warriors, is 100% Warriors but I don't necessarily think it's going to suddenly convert people no. now I, again I, I literally just admitted I didn't fully know what I was doing in the demo but you can tell even when you're not, when you're playing a game for the first time you can tell if it's like you know it, it clicks in a certain way whether or not you fully know what you're doing you just like oh, I, I get why this is going to appeal to a new audience or whatever I get why fans would like this I get why fans would like this as a Fire Emblem fan I appreciate what they're doing as a guy like Tiger Warriors I appreciate what they're doing but I don't think what they're doing is enough to really turn a tide. And I bet that's why Nintendo is de-emphasizing it a little. Hyrule Warriors was something very fresh for Nintendo systems. And it is at a time when they needed the support on Wii U. Fire Emblem Warriors is very familiar. Yeah, it's not film. Zelda's Zelda name. Yeah, and the Zelda it. name, of course. Fire, Fire Emblem, War- I mean, Well, Fire Emblem is a big name. I know, it is big, but... It's not but Zelda.
1: Yeah.
0: But it's yeah. also on a system that doesn't necessarily need quite that same... It's not quite grasping at straws in the same way for games. From, at least on mm-hmm. first party perspective. They want to get me so.
1: to try a Warriors game. They should do like Donkey Kong Warriors. You just have like a Oh my of,
0: god, that would be amazing.
1: Just get the DK crew in there. Yeah, like, yeah, just make a new DK rap. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I would be on board with this. I'm trying to think of some reference I can make to his Lear The bunch, you know him well. Don't. And how he's finally back to Kitson okay, Tail. It's okay. But I, yeah, I, mean, I got it, nothing. I got nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's good. But you know his, his coconut gun. It does fire his birds. I'm gonna stop now. If
1: he should just get hurt, anyway.
0: So that that's fire emblem. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know why I'm showing off that I know
1: the rap. I only know, well, I know that first, like, first. This is like the fifth time. No, it's and not. I've the, never it, done in, in the podcast. podcast. No, and every single time you always say that uh, same uh, line because yeah, it's the only line I know. You're the that you. That's the only line you know. It, it is. I, I'm gonna pull all those clips of and we're gonna it, have please like a... do
0: because there are 153 <laughs> episodes. So if you can figure out where I previously wrapped the four lines of the DK rap, I know I'll be very impressed, and we can make a compilation. <laughs> and then put it out on like iTunes and Spotify and Apple Music. I think I only called like you out
1: on it like the last two or three times. I don't so. remember I, I don't forget these things. Right, I you. don't know what's worse. You not forgetting or me still doing it.
0: I think the fact that it lingers with you is almost like PTSD of DK Rap. That's kinda is. Weird. that's kinda makes it worth a
1: present to me that wow, he's still doing it again?
0: Yeah, but that's... I bet I bet everyone listening doesn't remember. Maybe they do. I don't know. You mm. know, let's switch gears a <laughs> bit. Um DK rap is great and all, but one other game I tried at the booth that I was so Fire Emblem Warriors I went in expecting Warriors and it was Warriors. Splatoon 2 I ended up playing. I wasn't playing play because it's coming out in a month but I ended up playing it. I went in expecting exactly what I played in the March test fire. You know uh, I went in because like Nintendo didn't even really make any Splatoon 2 announcements at the show. They had it there in force. They had the International Invitational. They had tons of demo units but there wasn't anything new. You know nothing we didn't see before. But then I discovered that Salmon Run, the horde mode, was on display. And, man, it's good. It is, it is so good. It's like a whole different size platoon. It is really good. So, I mean, how much do you have you followed anything with the horde mode? Do you know how it works or anything? Or
1: yep. Saw the treehouse live thingy. Mm-hmm. There also isn't really much to it. I mean, they, they explained it in the directs how it works. It's like, oh, you have to kill the boss salmon to get yeah. the little eggs to put them in the canister. And you have to meet a quota before time is up.
0: That's pretty much right. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, exactly. So, you're a team of four, you're on an island, and there's boss salmon that come in. But what's interesting is, like, when you're playing it, it's actually really. Well, I'm. They probably allude to this in the, in the, um, the treehouse, but I, I just thought it was really cool that it's split, much like any horde mode, into waves, but there's sort of, like, inklings of where they. No pun intended, of where the boss will come from. So, you actually, communication is more key than you would think in this. Like, I could see why voice chat is critical because you, you know, you get your first wave, your second wave, your third wave, each have a boss, put the eggs in a basket, that ends the wave. Or time runs out and you don't get the, you know, you don't succeed at that wave and the next wave begins. But when each wave starts, it's only just a couple of here or there and you have to kind of figure out, okay, where's the majority of them coming out? And then that's where the boss comes from. And then the bosses take all sorts of different shapes and sizes and forms. There's, like, a giant eel. There's a big tank dude. And you have to kill him in different ways. And then you get the eggs, and then you do the things. So like, most Horde modes... My experience with Horde modes before now was um, Call of Duty Zombies, basically. And Call of Duty Zombies, you're just assaulted from all sides all the time. You just have to mow them down.
1: You just have to live.
0: Yeah. So this felt really, like, fresh. Again, no Splatoon pun intended. So far, I've done Inkling and Fresh unintentionally here. But uh, it felt very fresh in the sense of, like... There's more strategy involved. There's actually kind of a goal besides just mow them down. Like, you actually have an objective. But it still has a lot of the typical horde tropes. Like, if you die, you're a little life preserver, and someone has to, you know, you, you get them to come over, they touch you, you come back to life.
1: To be so, fair, the the zombie, wrote, the, uh, the zombie mode the zombie modes got really complex, like, towards the end. Like, um, I was watching Elvis play the other day, and I swear I did not even realize he was playing the Call of Duty zombie mode, I thought it was playing, like, Skyrim or something. Because, like, his character was, like, running through portals, like, creating, like, really? activating incantations or something. and then so he, they he, really like, stepped the group, it up. And it's like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, it just looked, like, bonkers. But it looked like a fun kind of craziness. Right, right.
0: So, yeah, and, and apparently, the Splatoon one gets equally bonkers. So we were playing at 5% difficulty. The difficulty scales up to 100%. And even at 5%, with you know a team of four we still needed some assistance like we were three comic or con, con, e3 attendees playing with a treehouse staffer who was there solely for the sake of facilitating team communication making sure everyone actually talks because usually when you play a game you're kind of just you know in your own little bubble playing your game but at, especially at like a convention like you're not gonna get all necessarily get all buddy with the guy next to you even when you're demoing like call of duty it's usually just like Hey, yeah, this is fun. Yep, sure is. You know, you know, it's not like you're not really doing deep strategies, but he was really making sure you do because even at five percent, ten percent, it started ramping up pretty quick. And he was saying like, "Hey, this is you know, this is really early game. Like, you should see how crazy it gets." And I can't even imagine begin what it's like, begin to imagine, excuse me, what it's like at like sixty percent, let alone a hundred percent. Like, I imagine it ramps up to nutty levels. It also goes to show you how, like, I was starting to say how important voice chats is with Platoon Two, because there is no efficient way to play salmon run in complete silence like kind of to the call of duty thing that one they're coming from everywhere you're boarding up walls everywhere you can go off on your own fend for yourself and keep things going in salmon run if you don't have someone telling you hey i'm noticing a couple more salmonoids coming out from the right and you're hanging out on the left you could just be hanging out on the left shooting the one or two salmonoids for a very long time not realizing there's actually like craziness going down right across the island from you and the island's only one of many stages they're going to have as well so I don't know if this
1: was ever clarified or if it just isn't the case but Mm -hmm. like other horde modes you only have so many I guess we'll call them lives like if you're down like you remember the zombies just to keep using that as an example like you're crawling on the ground and you're shooting, and I don't and, think this has that. And you're about to pass out, so they have to revive you. But if you, I think if you if you're down twice, you're just done permanently. I believe in this. this case one I know, like you're on a flotation device and they shoot you and you come back, but I don't know. Or if just touch limit. you, don't have to shoot you. Oh,
0: I don't think there's a, a a life count simply because there's a time limit. So the way Call of Duty works, if I remember correctly, it's been a few years. Is you basically you keep playing till everyone's dead. Yeah. In Splatoon, staying in. You know, in kind of in the same mindset as like Turf Wars and all that, there is a time limit, a set time limit. So, if you don't get all the eggs into the basket within, I think it's three minutes, that's. Oh, it. Yeah, and if everyone dies. And, and everyone, everyone dies, yeah. you can't get the eggs and it just ends. Yeah. But, yeah, there's no life system whatsoever. Again, Nintendo's ditching lives. So, yeah, it's interesting. And I'm kind of excited to see what the other maps look like because I did, I did not expect to love Salmon Run as much as I did. I thought it'd just be a fun diversion, but like, it's its own self contained thing. That's, you know, obviously part of the bigger splatoon package but it is a huge addition so it, it could potentially really like get meaty and become a tough experience i mean like in and like i said they had more maps coming they're actually planning to also do special uh, salmon run events kind of like Splatfest. maybe even part of Splatfest. they're not really the saying but they want to do regular events for splatoon so i can see or for uh, salmon run so i could see this also becoming Maybe not in the same way as Turf wars, but I could see there becoming like a competitive scene of sorts, almost, of just like... Not really a competitive scene, but there could be a community built around the Horde mode, specifically. Competitive scene is the wrong word because you're not competing against anyone. It's more teamwork-based. But... Then first no, time. but some sort of, or or like you go to Evo, it's like here's this Splatoon room. Also, while you're waiting, you can come do horde mode over here.
1: Time to but, egg ratio, I guess,
0: or even that one. Really, I mean, yeah, kind of. Well, I mean, it's that's the only running. thing. That's the only yeah. thing you can compare. So competitive is not the right word, but I can definitely see a community forming around horde mode and it becoming its own little thing within Splatoon which is really cool because it's really fun. So, so that was a pleasant surprise for me. Um, actually, speaking of competitive play, you uh-huh. wanted to mention. We, so t- two weeks ago on the show we talked about Nintendo and the eSports scene and how they're getting more involved with eSports and whatnot. not and it, the timing of that was funny because on the Smash competitive scene one of the biggest players, Hungrybox one that went head to head as I mentioned at the time just for context for those who don't follow competitive Smash he's the dude that went head to head with Reggie um, at Nintendo's own Smash Invitational he sort of called out Nintendo and it's just like hey support us and then Reggie responded
1: yeah, it was very unsatisfying. I
0: guess. Yeah. So why do you? Because I saw this in passing, and I know you want to talk about because you're more on like the competitive scene than I am. So what? 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 What exactly I did you say? It, like what? What I was mean, so unsatisfying?
1: Well, I don't because Nintendo. I mean, it sounded like they kept wanting to support the E3 competitive scene, and even like the the January video where they introduced the Switch, it looked like oh, we have the Splatoon, giant stadium. Yeah. But now all of that seems like. It just sounds like they're just leaving it up to the fans. They're saying that they'll throw money at things that are already happening, but they're they don't want to get too involved into it, is what they basically said.
0: So they want all they just wanna like they want to say community based, they want to be yeah, grassroots or these no, terms like, Reggie was using. They're for just hands? saying they want to
1: inspire the community to set up their own tournaments and that they'll lend a hand oh, whenever they see fit.
0: Now I don't necessarily see what's wrong with
1: Not that. I mean that. There, No there isn't. I mean they don't they don't have to do anything. They don't owe it anything to anybody. But I guess the only unfortunate thing is that I guess a lot of people are trying to make a living off of this game. Maybe not a good idea. Maybe just sure. like whatever, take it as you will. Because um, I mean, that this, the fighting game community, like people become passionate with the fighting game and build a community. People want to pursue it, and we, and we, and that's great. The only thing is that they're pursuing a game that won't have the financial backing that other games have that can support the livelihood of a lot of people so
0: does evo and uh the one that just happened this past weekend was it not ces that's a it wasn't ceo there's a Smash CEO? ceo yeah it was ceo and evo all that that doesn't pay out big enough even when they get corporate sponsors like i guess nintendo. not because
1: um because nintendo games i guess um especially with smash brothers like they don't pay out as much as like street fighter or those other games yeah. like they're at a way different pay scale so these players have to fly pretty much all over the country going to the biggest tournaments they could find to try to, I guess, make ends meet. Which kind of sure. says they have to be traveling a lot and pretty much playing throughout the whole year. And I know some that, other games get like some time off just to relax or to catch up. So is that I what think.
0: Hungrybox was getting at when he initially was saying it's a way of life? Like, literally, it's... Yeah, it's their, literally, yeah. Their right. life, this this is like literally all
1: they do. They, they try to make ends meet with streaming, mm-hmm. with their YouTube, with its tournaments.
0: It's kind of funny. It's almost like we maybe jumped the gun with um, last episode because we last episode the, a big chunk of our episode was Nintendo it to esports.
1: Yeah, it's pretty much the difference between like Nintendo, I guess, making more competitive friendly games versus yeah. Nintendo actually making it possible for people to have an easier way. You of You know, that
0: actually brings up something interesting. The, I mean,
1: it's not the responsibility, but yeah, it does feel like actually. I don't know. I, I'm like completely torn on this one.
0: It you you bring up an interesting thing because you're saying about Nintendo like Nintendo wants to do competitive. I don't remember where I read it, but there was an interview with Reggie where they asked him about like what's well, intense dance on the esports scene. It might have been with Glixel. Uh, the website Glixel. I think it was the Glixel interview, which we're going which is in our show notes for a different reason, so the link's there if anyone's curious. I think it was Glixel. But um yeah, he. They basically, like, what's your stance on esports? If I remember correctly, he's like, "Oh, we don't like the term esports. Like, we don't want it to be a sport because like esports implies like sponsor- winners and losers." I <laughs> well, no, yeah, basically. Remember the old Nintendo where everyone's a winner? No, but it, 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 it What he was arguing, which debatably is correct, it's not a clear cut thing. What a company's role in esports is because sometimes they're sponsoring players, sometimes they're sponsoring teams, sometimes they are the competition sometimes they're just a logo on someone else's competition, i.e. I- what Nintendo does with Evo, where it's, you know, it's not Nintendo presents the Smash Tournament at Evo, it's Evo Smash Tournament brought to you by Nintendo and these other companies. Like, it's it, you know, the billing's different, and I think it sounds like, or you know what, it might not have been Glixxon, so it might have been CNBC, either way, it sounds like what Reggie was getting at, is like, eSports isn't for a publisher, isn't necessarily to defined things. So they're just trying to avoid it completely. Like right now, yeah, it sounds like they want to do the community thing, maybe. So he's like, you know what? Yeah, just we're not even going to use the term esports. We call it competitive play. And granted, everything they showed, everything they've done fits that billing of competitive play. In their financial briefing that I think about, it, they made a whole point about local competitive multiplayer being a key component of Switch this summer, which competitive play falls into. But if you look at the January Direct you mentioned, where they show people playing Splatoon nowhere does it necessarily say Nintendo's putting it on, there's just competitive play going on and they happen to be there doing that game or, you know, ARMS at E3 and Splatoon at E3 and Pokemon at E3 they're all invitationals, they're all tournaments, they're all competitive play but never once did they ever use the term esport, if you look back so I wonder how much of that what everything I just said is them covering because they don't want to foot the bill on setting up their own league or setting up their own circuit or whatever versus is circuit the right word? Yeah. yeah. Versus how much of it is literally Nintendo's just like we don't know what esports are yet. Like in some worlds it's well defined. League of Legends it's pretty clear what it is.
1: Yeah before Injustice 2 even came out they announced the league.
0: Yeah. But but see that's what's weird. So like yeah. okay they announced the league. So what do companies do in the Injustice 2 league? Warner Brothers is putting on the league but do they also sponsor players? Who sponsors players? Is it other companies that don't make the game? Like, there's all these weird lines that have to be sorted out. Like, Riot yeah, puts on League of... of Legends, but does Riot... Riot can't guarantee players will get paid well. They can guarantee the winner will get paid, but you can't, to Hungrybox's point, you can't argue, hey, I'm making a living off League of Legends by getting third place every time, and it's up, and it's thanks to Riot, because no, the people that are paying you to get in third place every time and not win that championship money that Riot may put up is you know their red bull or their aeg i think just invested in immortals the other day like you know the big the people that own staples center invested in immortals like the team like it or like the trailblazers the basketball team invested in a team so like nintendo can only do so much i'd argue and oh, I, think yeah. Ninten- I think that's why nintendo i think that's why reggie is so it's hesitant more, to say esport
1: i think it's more the responsibility of those people that actually sponsor players like there yeah. is um like I think, also like Echo Fox is a organization that sponsors a bunch of different types mm-hmm. of t- players, team solo mid, and no. There's a Evil ton Geniuses. that a lot
0: of the big esports teams have I mean, smash people it, on their yeah, rosters. It, so yeah, it's almost if like If Box already wants just go do that and then go. Granted, no, I, he, he, league I mean, I'm help, pretty sure he's sponsored. he is on one. Yeah, yeah
1: I, I think. I don't know, maybe they have to unionize. <laughs> maybe I mean, I mean, it's not like the they think because like I mean, if they literally like came together and unionized, they could be like, all right, maybe we should only have like. Tournaments at this times of the year that actually count towards blah 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 and the rest of it, like maybe yeah. don't make the payout. Like you are only allowed to have payouts this big around these times. That way, to throw a wrench in that. But if you
0: unionize, who are you unionizing against? You need, or not against, but who are you unionizing? What's the union for? I guess the unless there's, play?
1: I mean, I guess the or- the team organizers. There's... Oh well, but I, my my point I is, tournament... they're not
0: gonna no one no one's gonna be like, yeah, we'll spawn. Th- I know it, it's... you need a league, so then it's back on Nintendo's back, on Nintendo's shoulders. Because it's like, okay, we're unionizing as a te- as team players to play in Evo one weekend a year. No, that can't be right. You need the Nintendo League at that point. So it's like, it is a really weird tug of war. I get why Nintendo doesn't want to do esports for the reasons I just described a minute ago. But I also get why players kind of need Nintendo to do esports for the reason. Well, we just for one thing, I, feel like I need to really
1: so, understand how all this works. It's very to complicated. complicated. Yeah, yeah. like I still don't really completely understand it, but. Because it's, I mean, it's because, interesting, yeah. Because I mean, this only—I mean—it sounds like people that are sponsored are the only ones that could really make that argument. Because if you're not sponsored, then you're just some person that's traveling for the fun of it. But if you're still trying yeah. to make a living out of it, then you're even more screwed because you're not even established, I guess. I don't yeah, know. it's
0: it's a weird, like, it's definitely uh, it's definitely a whole world, like a whole industry almost in its infancy. So it's gonna be interesting to see where it goes. But I think yeah, it's, I it's, almost feel like, in a weird way, Nintendo. Everyone's always like, oh, they're too conservative. They wait too long to get in on things. But honestly, right now, the way they're handling competitive play might be the smartest way until the esports world kind of shakes itself out. Because then you also don't have to think about, like, how is it broadcast? Because it is broadcast. Like, Twitch is a huge player. Um, YouTube does stuff. But right now, like, there's some cases like Rocket League, which is coming to Switch, as we'll talk about later, just signed a thing to be on NBC Sports. They will be broadcasting Rocket League on NBC Sports. Street Fighter came out on ESPN. Street Fighter came out on ESPN. But most of this stuff is still, like, free streaming on as many platforms. You can think of Facebook Live, Twitch, YouTube. So No,
1: They're not going to be a, like, oh, here, get your season ticket for the Capcom Pro Tour. Yeah. It's just, like, there's a whole nother side <laughs> Add it to of your it. your cable box. And, and, and honestly, Add it to yeah, your... yeah.
0: Like, it could be, like, premium, like, boxing and UFC style. Like, how's this going to work? Because you can't monetize a league in any meaningful way if you keep throwing around this broadcast for free. And granted, I think Riot or some – or no, it was Blizzard just signed a deal with Twitch that lets Twitch stream Blizzard games, which is the tournament, which is the first time they're doing that, like for mm-hmm. Overwatch and stuff. But in that contract is a stipulation that Blizzard can still broadcast their own games. So it's like, okay, so what? What? what's the business model for Twitch then? Like who, does it become like the companies that put on the torrents are also responsible for streaming? Because that's what Nintendo does now with so-called competitive play that's not an eSport, and they even have announcers as if it's an eSport. Nintendo's just not calling it an eSport. So that means it's not an eSport. And then if it's not an eSport, is that why Hungrybox is upset? But they made their own league, but kept everything else the same. Is it worthwhile of an investment for Nintendo? There's like a million questions right now. I don't don't think it's... I don't know
1: why... I mean, I'm just realizing that I feel like Pokemon has it really figured out. Because that one just seems nice and clean. and has its regionals. It has its qualifiers. It has everything nicely spaced out. They have their World Series at one point in the year. But how
0: many paid, sponsored... Pokemon Sun players will there be this year? Well, I don't Zero. know, but
1: I never hear any complaints <laughs> I, about the competitive Pokemon. That's because
0: it's more of a hot, like it's it's no. Is there any Pokemon player because you know you see the winners and they're like hey and they interview. Oh no, yeah, they like do the, the interview after and they're like so how you train? It's like oh I come home from school and I train or oh after work I spend three hours a day. They're not hungry box or not something like that that no, they're like this some, is some my of life. them definitely
1: are. I mean if, they, I, I, if you're looking at the senior league, because I mean, the, the
0: payouts they, aren't big enough for it to be your life like hungry box is trying to say smashes. Right, yeah, like so. there's no yearly touring. See, Pokemon's different because your whole point about like there needs to be seasons and time off and time on. Pokemon's like a one and done thing a year. No, not they, even, no, they have like
1: multiple it? tournaments throughout the year. Do they? Yeah. I thought, but they have the, the one. Like annual... I said, like I said, they have regionals at one point. Then they have qual- well, they have qualifiers first and then uh, I guess that's and different then, than a circuit. And then though, you have right? to and you have to earn points throughout to qualify for the big major. Uh, then I guess it's kind it's of like, you have to spend the year earning points, yeah, so that you can get into the finals. I guess one. Pokemon
0: did figure it out.
1: Which is kind of what Capcom does. You have to enter certain tournaments that qualify you for points to get enough to enter. Like, and
0: then Capcom just throws that on Twitch and they watch it there, right? Yeah. So I guess there are there are clear avenues of monetization that makes sense that Nintendo could do if they want. Because I, I mean Pokemon and Capcom do.
1: I mean, what the it's traditional like. fighting can do is just on a bigger scale than what Pokemon's doing. Yeah. Interesting.
0: I, I, I think we're we'll just got to have to wait. Like, it's cool Nintendo's thing. Play, too, like I just have to
1: learn more about me too, me exactly too. how this works. I feel like
0: I have so many questions. Like, this was... This is one of those things. Like, I feel like in the like eight minutes we talked about this, I went from, "Oh yeah, Nintendo should not do it too." Oh, I guess they are doing it. Oh, here's why they're not doing it. Oh, but they should do it. Should they do it? Oh, but money. So <laughs> yeah. who knows? It's it's a very new industry. So time will tell. But it's yeah. interesting to That's see that thing, Reggie yeah. actually addressed the comments. Exactly. Head on, it's
1: still too new. I mean, it's like less than twenty years old. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. it's less
0: than like ten. I know. In a in a major scale way. I mean, I'm not wrong. You're not wrong.
1: That's yeah. correct. And yeah, I mean, just look like at sports, they're like hundreds. Yeah. Yeah, more, it'll, it'll so. be
0: really interesting to see how it shakes out. And, it, you know, I think Splatoon, for Nintendo Splatoon, kind of looping it back, Splatoon and Arms still... and Pokin are all going to be, let's say so Pokin, Splatoon, Arms, and Smash, assuming Arms takes off, those are going to be very big players in whatever competitive play, esports, yeah, whatever it, you want caught that Nintendo n- has. Nothing
1: to do major it. is going to happen until, like, we finally get past that whole thing of whether this is a whole sport or not in the yeah. eyes of the general public. Because well,
0: the Olympics are considering esports, so.
1: I know exactly we're finally getting to that point where the discussion is being had as opposed to like oh you're not doing anything you're just moving your fingers like that's not that's not a sport but like it's becoming people are starting to understand what games you know why
0: it's because we are growing our generation is our adults now people that grew up with Pong people that grew up with Pac-Man in the early 80s they are now adults with kids it's normalized the same reason anime and movies are totally cool for all ages now when we were little
1: kids Same same thing with the figures that I collect oh yeah yeah like I mean the figures I've always dreamt of having as a kid are coming out now because now the kids that grew up with those yep. are the ones making them. Now you them. could
0: argue there is a dematuring of our society as a whole, but and we're part of that. But you know oh, what? Who no, cares? That, as long as there no well, yeah, yeah, like totally is. But like who cares? It's what people like. It's why Comic Con's now bigger than ever. It's why E three has to go is going public and getting fifteen thousand people showing up. Like it, it's a lot it, to get real off topic here a lot of it's due to the internet because people find there are other people that have the same niches as them and get really into specific things and they're like let's meet and then you get a convention and then at the convention you get announcements and then announcements you get more things that draw more fans and then like it grows from there it's it's really kind of fascinating like on a anthropological like mm. study of it one day that'd be really cool to see just like how these like tribes of fans kind of come to be and connect and grow and make Esports into the next mainstream thing, you know, like it it all kind of comes from that. But to to reel it back into E three, because we got way down this crazy, like heady path here. What were
1: we even talking about? We well,
0: Splatoon led to competitive play, led to all this. But to reel it back, we've talked about pretty much everything Nintendo showed on the floor of E three this year. So to switch gears a bit, they also had stuff they didn't show on the floor, namely things coming to switch in twenty eighteen and beyond. Yoshi kirby metroid prime 4 and we received less and less information on each of those games in that order from yoshi which i fair amount to kirby which had a trailer to metroid prime 4 which had nothing
1: just a logo no don't, don't have the title screen and then pokemon had nothing yeah
0: that's true yeah i didn't even mention pokemon yeah if we're getting a real pokemon rpg too it was so like little of an announcement i didn't even mention it but anyway we saw most of these things um of these things like I said we saw the most of Yoshi is what I was trying to say and we saw that in the form of the trailer in Spotlight and in Treehouse Live did a segment later and I think the most surprising thing about Yoshi is that it's being built using Unreal Engine 4 that's the first time Nintendo made a game using someone else's engine like that like Unreal Engine
1: that's like they ain't got time for them to make their own engine I guess not, no. but
0: well, good feel. I guess is technically making it, but and I say that's the most interesting thing because everything else about Yoshi, and no offense to that little dinosaur, everything else about Yoshi just feels so familiar. It's like it's like this amalgamation of so many different already existing things in the Nintendo like world. You've got the yarn Yoshi aesthetic, which is back from Wally World, it's a, more, it's a little more Little Big Planet now. Yeah, or? it's a little more Little Big planet now, and it has a really cool tilt shift visual effect that's new but it looks really nice but that's somewhat familiar then you got the cardboard cutout worlds which are kind of like Paper Mario Sticker Store or kind of like Yoshi's Story or Color like. Splash yeah or Color Splash like very familiar then you've got the ability to flip a level around again like Paper
1: Mario or just going through any door in Yoshi's Woolly World or going through which, which you literally flipped it around but, yeah, but there's yeah, some level that revolved around that
0: oh I don't even oh yeah they did that's right Yeah, like once yeah like in the li- second half of the game primarily right they did it a little in the beginning, but they it was more, no, yeah. more yeah. unraveling in the first no, yeah. half. And a, then they did. There, it. there were a lot of levels where like, you well, just go like through you a door. And... It, and it flipped. No, there was right? some where
1: you just walked through a door and it literally flipped the entire thing. Oh, well, over. they're building a whole game like, based on that's that. That's when I thought I'm like, this is literally just that mechanic, yeah. except now it, you could do it anytime. And I the guess. only
0: other thing that's new is the ability to interact with the foreground and background. Ooh, thing is, every 3DS platformer for the past six years has done that. So, like, nothing, nothing against Yoshi. It's just like they took all these ideas that already exist, kind of rolled them into a single game, and then built it around this now. I mean I guess the the level flipping already was there, but the all all the other stuff is just all these ideas, but now in the in the Yoshi standard of discover all the secrets kind of like open platforming.
1: I feel like this game should have just even two op,
0: two player ops even back.
1: It feels too soon for this game. It does. I mean, we just got Yoshi's Woolly World and Poochie or Poochie Yoshi Yoshi's and Poochie's Woolly World. There you
0: go on Nintendo 3DS. And then the year yes.
1: and I guess the year before was just regular Woolly World. I think it was two years ago but,
0: oh. or two years prior. Yeah, and it doesn't help for that 18 um, months.
1: all of a sudden I 100 at that game. So like we. Definitely played that game for a long time, which just makes me go yeah. like, I don't want to see anything Wooly World for a while. Just need a long break. Well, here's the bummer about three years it. isn't enough.
0: Yeah, no, but here, here's the bummer about it's like there's nothing inherently wrong with any of this. No, it's
1: not. It's sort of looks like a fun game. It, I'm it just... looks. It's just like
0: it's so familiar and so like fresh in our, in my memory and your memory. It sounds like that's just
1: like why, why? Yeah. <laughs> and there's cool things they're doing within this world. Like I love just the, the type of platformer that it is. Kind of gives you. Um, I guess fatigue. I mean, I guess that's why you only get like one, 2D or 3D Mario platform every five years. This is just yeah. like it's if Mario soon. is the big. They, new... they they figured it out. They know how long it takes you to get. I guess you have know, to get that tiredness out of you and to actually be like wanting another one. The way the
0: way I look at Yoshi is like if Mario games are like, oh, I'm going to the big city. Like I'm gonna go check out New York. It's gonna be great. And there's already there's always new things to discover. The Yoshi games are kind of like the sleepy suburb. Where it's like you've been there. You've been to one, you've been to all of them. Like, they can add new stuff. But ultimately, like, how many times do you go to, like, a suburb in New Jersey if you're flying out to New York versus live in the city? Like, how many times are you playing Mario all the time versus – or how many times can you revisit a Mario game, which they space out a little better, granted, than, like,
1: you I mean, you. that analogy works, like, just as well for your Kirby yeah, which a... we'll which will get to in a sec.
0: But I do want to say some stuff in the Yoshi game does look kind of cool. I love what they're doing with the cardboard—not as the world flips, but like shy guys hiding behind cardboard masks, Yoshi riding like a giraffe cart made of cardboard. Like, there's a lot of like, the aesthetic is like even better than it's ever been. But unfortunately, the rest of it's just yeah, so It looks so much like
1: Little Big Planet with yeah. Yoshi in it. Cause that had See, all yeah, of so that. I never owned a PlayStation. I'm cool. No, with, yeah, like right. I don't mind
0: because I'm not familiar with. The, I no, know yeah. of Big Planet. No, because yes, I mean little I love Planet Little Big Planet. But. That's yeah, awesome it's, it's barring it's cribbing on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, like because everything in that game is like it has that found aesthetic where literally anything's game as long as it's made out of any material. And Yoshi, yeah. now that they're doing that, like that little giraffe thing, like little bit kind of had that in the first level in the first game. Really? Oh, well, something very. Similar. I really. It enjoyed, was like a little. I think it was a horse. Or something. I really
0: enjoyed that giraffe. I mean, that was that, the thing and that and that I, was my takeaway from all the Yoshi. Well, I mean, at you shouldn't E3 take was... anything away from it. But... I know, I know, but uh, yeah. but yeah, it's funny because like I'm sure the game's gonna be good. I'm just not hyped. At all, I might buy it. I might me, not. I'm just like, oh. it
1: bit. having a Ninja Turtle thing next
0: week. I knew you'd find a way to sub Ninja Turtles into every episode. You should make it a challenge that every episode of the podcast, you figure out a way to naturally bring up Ninja Turtles. Do you succeed for this one? Oh man, but I need to remind Elvis. Well, anyway, um, you mentioned Kirby, and yeah, I think Kirby suffers from the same fate. But I, I do think it's interesting that I, if I had to guess, we're probably gonna get Yoshi before Kirby, since they showed so much more of Yoshi. I'm just gonna throw out a random date. Always says 2018. I'm going to say it's coming in February or March. Maybe April. But, like, the game, based on what I saw in Treehouse, it is far enough along that it could be an early 2018 release, for sure. Right? Like, do not you kind of get that vibe? Like, it's kind of... It's not done, but, like, it's pretty far along. Yeah. Yeah, like, so maybe they'll announce some crazy new gameplay idea. Actually, no, the
1: Kirby game, I feel,
0: looks... Wait. But the Kirby game, they didn't even demo. Yoshi, they had in action... With the like with a HUD, with everything ready to go, Kirby. They just had a two-minute demo and assumed that's good enough. Which it is good enough, but like, but from what I saw, it, it just looked—it looks more
1: tradi- well-rounded. It looks like I don't know, Return to Dreamland.
0: <laughs> it does, yeah, yeah. So Kirby, Kirby, Except does, instead
1: of having four players that are all Kirby's, actually, no, not even because one is DDD, a Waddle D, and a Meta Knight. But instead of those, you now have different enemies. Mm, yeah, which is new. basically the no, it's not. No, um, it's that's from, new. Before,
0: before when you had four players, you had to choose between Waddle Dee and D D and Kirby. No, I'm and talking
1: about um, other guy. Other in, Waddle Dee. In Kirby Superstar Ultra, any of those games, like every time you suck up an enemy, you could just press down B and turn them into an ally, and a second player could control that ally. Oh, well then never mind. It's literally that. So it's a 3D version of that. It's yeah. It's literally that, except two more people can join in, and instead of sucking them up and converting right. them, now you're just throwing hearts at them.
0: Yeah. And and when you use the broom, you turn into the hamster from Kirby Three for like a split second. I don't know if you saw that flying yeah. on Twitter, right? and it's just like, I see I I like when Nintendo's a little nods to that, but I kind of wish they did nods that in ways that weren't just regurgitations of Kirby games we played before. Yeah, I mean we've we've all which we've is, said which on kind of what made
1: me I don't know I mean I, I like Kirby platformers, but I think we've said it multiple times. Yeah, I was about that. to make this point. Yeah, yeah, they, we like him better when he's at experimental because he just feels yeah. too run of the mill. the the three DS ones. Um. I feel like they shut it up enough to make them more interesting, or maybe actually, you know what? Just like how I prefer my Monster Hunter on a TV, you prefer Kirby. I prefer on my I prefer my platforming Kirby on a handheld.
0: Now, see that makes sense because there's not
1: Kirby for Switch. It's really
0: cool how the HD translate how the graphic style of well, Kirby I, translates I, I, I into HD. I guess it is the handheld because oh yeah, because yeah. hey, that's a good point. Yeah. But no, I to your point, like I was gonna so, say that it's really cool how traditional Kirby art style that style that like very. Vibrant, like simple geometry, it works really well in HD. Like I thought, the game looked like literally looked. Never mind gameplay. It 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 looked looked cool. It looked really cool. But yes, I think gameplay wise, there is no reason to have it on big TV. Like you don't gain much, which sounds weird to say because it's like so what? Like you don't need to gain anything for TV. But it does feel like if Kirby's like a game kind of platform, like you curl up with it, you know?
1: Yeah, it kind of feels. It's like. Yeah, sure, I could play Rhythm Heaven on bigger TV, but it's going to look basically yeah, like not that different at all from the 3 d Like, when you
0: play on a TV, which I think, to the Switch's credit, can do both of these things, as we just noted. But, like, when you play on a TV, you're kind of expecting a grand... Like, this massive thing. And when you play, like, more intimately with your hand tiles, it's kind of like a more smaller scale thing. And Kirby platforms lend themselves to feeling smaller scale. They always have. So. Yeah. But, but I think... Um, yeah, I mean, besides the the co op, which is cool because Switch multiplayer local makes sense. And besides the HD, like it didn't again didn't really do much in terms of hype. It it it's nice. It looks fun, but when you're showing off the craziness of Mario Odyssey, and then you're showing the same sameness of like Kirby and Yoshi, there's sort of a weird disconnect there. I don't know. Like, there's nothing wrong with them. Dude. I don't know. It's worth like, the best of as the j- well- as Nintendo fan as jaded Nintendo fans for you know going on upwards of 20 years now the same sameness when it's this same samey just kind of hits you a little harder you know yeah
1: it's almost um i mean it's a little different I actually meant to bring this one earlier but i forgot hmm. to bring it up um it's kind of like when that like, get between donkey kong country tropical freeze and donkey kong country returns yeah we got the the 3ds one yes so, like returns 3d yeah, so I guess I just kept the game in my, my head because I also 100%ed that game with Elvis. Right. And when they announced Donkey Country Returns, it looked very samey. You mean Tropical Freeze? Tropical Freeze, yeah. yeah. It just looked very samey. Like, like, oh, I mean, I'll get it, but I feel like... But I you just... ended up 100%ing it, right? Well, oh, yeah, because, I mean... So, yeah, because do. it's Donkey not... <laughs> like, Kong.
0: I, I have no choice. The game's there, I mean, and my buy just starts playing it.
1: I mean, it's the same thing with Yoshi. Like, if yeah. it came out, it's like I don't really want to play it just yet, but... Yeah,
0: yeah it's just... And, you know, like, two... To Nintendo's credit, I understand why they're doing this. Like Reggie explained why they're doing this in an interview with Glixol, and I get it. It makes sense. But it does for fans like us, who, as I was saying, you know, have been fans for twenty years and we've seen this many times before. It's kinda like, Oh. And it doesn't there's nothing wrong with that. We don't have to buy every game, we don't have to feel obligated, but there is sort of that like eh, yeah. Uh, that looks familiar so what what reggie told uh glixel that i found as the legit reason is um this is all part of nintendo's strategy towards moving towards ip focused like decisions so about you know a few years ago Nintendo was all about how we expand the gaming audience. now they're like well everyone's playing on everything phones everyone has games so it's not so much about like just getting people to play games that's done it's now about getting people to engage with our properties our ip specifically and that's our IPs, not our IP. I'm not saying to rest in peace, although I realize it's not like I was. Um, but, yeah, so when Glixel asked him, so, like, are Kirby and Yoshi, like, kind of intentional, like, rebirths or reboots of sorts for those IPs to expose them to more people, Reggie pretty bluntly was just like, yeah. He said that in Italian, and this is a quote, is constantly has to refill that pipeline with new fans to engage with these intellectual properties. So he's straight up like, uh-huh, that's exactly what these are. These are targeting people that may not play the other ones. Nothing wrong with that at all. It yeah, makes sense for many people had
1: a Wii U, so that makes yeah. Sense.
0: And and to be fair, he also included Breath of the Wild as an example of how it kind of is like introducing new people to Zelda. But what's interesting about that example is yes, it was a back to basics reboot of Breath Zelda, of Wild, but it was so different at the same time.
1: Yeah.
0: So it's hard to like Yoshi and Kirby aren't so different, but they are a rebirth or reboots. I kind of. Like it, it, it explains why.
1: Are they saying that's what and, they want Yoshi to be? Like, from going forward, yeah. like, they're like, this is it. Yoshi is not well, he co- doesn't live in the Mario universe, he lives in the no, he does live found in found, he lives Shaw in the world because he, I mean, the game is just called Yoshi, not even Yoshi's Woolly Well, they'll I mean, the well, they code names. Yoshi's. No, I know, I know, yeah, yeah,
0: just, yeah. It's ultimately going to be called like Yoshi's Fabric, Fantastic Fabric, or something. Yoshi's
1: Woollier <laughs> World, Woolier World, Woolier
0: world. and then it'll be like Kirby and
1: <laughs> <laughs> Woolly Woolly World. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But,
0: <laughs> but uh, what was I going to say? It, yeah, I, I get it, and it, we sound super spoiled by, like, complaining about this, but, you well, know. Well, well. Yeah, exactly. Now, he also mentioned one other IP as an example of a rebirth or reboot, and that is Metroid. And really, if it wasn't for Mario Odyssey, I would argue that Metroid would be the talk of Nintendo's E3 showing because after years, years of fans wanting true 2D Metroid the true Metroid Prime we got both in the same day 90 minutes apart what like the last like the last time they gave us a Metroid it was Federation Force which I actually enjoyed I know a lot of people on the internet hate but that was not a real Metroid That's a but we had been demanding real Metroid for a while and we got it the first shoe so to speak dropped in the spotlight that is the 10 second tease that amounted to absolutely nothing more than a logo ...and some reused Metroid Prime music... ...and that 10 second tease... ...with the logo... ...and the reused music... ...now has over 1.5 million... ...YouTube views... ...for 10 seconds... ...of reused music... and lo- ...like that's insane... ...like the, the hype for this thing is... It, ...through the roof... ...it was the second most talked about game... ...on social media according to some analytics firm... ...and all it was... ...again... ...10 seconds of music... ...and a logo... Like, that, that's amazing that they will get that much pull. And that's literally all we got. I mean, we did, I, I take that back. We got three very tiny tidbits. We know it's a first-person adventure game again. Thank you, Nintendo. We know that the series producer, uh, Kensuke uh, Tanabe, is back involved. He is spear it again, and, he, and by which I'll be producing. And we know it's not being developed by Retro, but by an entirely new team. People flipped out when they found out that Retro thing. And the thing about that is I don't know if that's that big of a deal because a lot of the movers and shakers of Retro have left – of the like during the Prime days have since left Retro. So, yes, Retro is still a very talented group of developers. They made the awesome Donkey Kong games as we were talking about a few minutes ago. But it's not like Nintendo's ripping Metroid Prime out of the hands of its creators. Like those people, a good chunk of them are gone, at least the higher-ups that, you know, steered the direction and the vision. Didn't some the of them form a new so. studio or something? Armature. Yeah. Yeah. So – What do they do? They made Recore for Xbox with uh the Mega Man creator and that did okay. <laughs> <laughs> They've done other stuff too. They also Armature is also in charge of a three D S project. I can't remember what the game was off the top of my head. But it was like a Metroidvania of sorts. Hmm. It got decent reviews, but I don't remember what it was. But yeah, beyond beyond, you know, knowing those three tidbits, we absolutely we know absolutely nothing about Metroid Prime Four. Yeah. Which makes you wonder. Is it announced too soon? Did they really need to do it? I know why they did it. They did it to build up hype, to get people excited about Switch long-term. But, like, is a 10-second teaser and then making us wait for years to get more information kind of insane and ridiculous? Or is it the right move? Like, is this just gonna... You know I, what mean, I mean... Is it, is it, 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 four it, it all In my
1: game? personal opinion, I feel like yeah, it shouldn't sorry. have been announced. I feel like I have nothing to be excited about.
0: Dude, I, there was 10
1: seconds... Of reused music, like and I said, the Metroid is one of my favorite <laughs> franchises. Specifically, like the Metroid Prime series. Yeah, that was like one of my real first attempts at even like playing first person games. Like I almost played; those are the only ones I almost played exclusively. Right. Um, but yeah, I just can't get excited about just a title screen. Like I don't know anything about the game. Well, you know what's interesting is like, there is know.
0: hints of what it could be, courtesy of past interviews with Tanabe. It's
1: like the only game... It doesn't mean it is, but yeah, I don't know. I I just. I don't like knowing that just a game exists, like because we can assume a game exists. Yeah, like a lot of people could have been thinking like, oh, it's a given. Well, of course, we're gonna get a Metroid Prime eventually. They've been dropping hints forever. Yeah. It's just like saying like, oh, I'm, I mean, would I be excited if they teased like, oh, Nintendo for, I mean, Smash Bros. for the Switch is coming? It's like no,
0: just you need to see it.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it's it's which literally... makes the whole Pokemon situation even more ridiculous because we just we were just literally just told there was no. Image or drawing or anything. Dude, I
0: guarantee that Pokemon thing was a knee jerk reaction to fans flipping out that ultra. Sun, ultra it was like when they the announced exclusive. that Smash
1: was coming to the 3DS and Wii U. Yeah, like we I think Sakurai wasn't even told yet at that point. It was just oh yeah, Water dropped. just said on stage yeah. with
0: the logo and everyone's like sweet. Yeah, but yeah, it reminds the the Metro thing reminds me a lot of Pikmin 4 in that uh, Pikmin 4 Mimo just kind of blurted out in an interview, and then it turned out that yes, it was real. Um, yeah. If I, I'm happy to be wrong in this one. So I said a couple episodes ago, I think Pikmin 4 is "Hey Pikmin," and there's wires crossed about what the next Pikmin was. Turns out, no, Pikmin 4 is a real thing that is separate. He uh, Miyamoto again to Eurogamer said at E3, direct quote: "I've been told not to share anything about this from PR, but I can tell you it's progressing." So there you go, Pikmin 4 lives. But my point <laughs> is, like, we know about made Pikmin by retro. 4, huh? <laughs> theme made, made by my... Retro. That would be a twist. But no, we've been. Like, Pikmin 4 we've talked about for two years, and we still know nothing about. I'm worried Metroid Prime 4 might be the same situation. Like, it's hard to say if there's really active development on it beyond Nintendo greenlining a concept at this point. Like, we could be looking at years here. And, I mean, I know Tanabe's been fooling around ideas in his head for a while. Something that came up in an interview in 2015 with Eurogamer again, coincidentally is that Tanabe wanted to focus on the history of Silex and how he ties into the Metroid world and how he interacts with Samus. He thinks there's more room there. He's also talking about this idea of, like, instead of broadening to more... The direct quote he said is, instead of broadening it to more plants. I would have one and would we'll focus on the timeline and being able to change that. So it almost sounds like a kind of Metroid Prime Echoes situation. Or talking
1: about the Metroid Prime timeline and changing some well-established things. See,
0: that's what I don't know. Like, it, it, it does sound like he's, it's lending itself to, like, a world-switching, like, instead of, like, the light-dark thing of Echoes, it could be past-future past, linked to the past style. Or it could mean something totally different about the plot, involving Silex and changing some backstory or, or, or undoing some canon or something but then he also says they're done with like Dark Samus and Phazon and all that like that's Metroid Prime 1 through 3 he doesn't well, yeah, character. so, I so mean, then they, the they, timeline they, they, they is irrelevant that to that not
1: pretty well yeah but, but my
0: point is like if they're messing with the timeline then why why revisit that well when it could do something forward so that's why I think timeline might lean time
1: yeah the thing about um, which who it, knows what this means yeah which almost makes me kind of wish um I mean I don't know. I, I'm sure the subtitle... I'm sure, Yeah, I mean, because it will have a subtitle, I'm assuming. Not
0: necessarily. Well, it doesn't have to. It yeah,
1: the other might. One, I mean, the other one's there just to clear it. Yeah, part. that's true. There's corruption. I mean, there's, and there's yeah, echoes. And echoes. And because, Hunter, I, mean, I mean... Spinoff. I <laughs> mean, the reason it was called Metroid Prime was because of the on stuff. Like, that was yes. literally... Like, the final boss was called Metroid, Metroid Prime. Prime. So, if there's no Metroid Prime in it... Then I guess it's just the name of the first version yeah, version just just like the final boss of like, Super
0: Metroid was Super non
1: game. I it's mean, friend. you know what's funny? Like I would almost wish. Like if they if it's not gonna have anything to do with like the phase on and drop the prime and actual Metroid Prime, they just call it like Metroid, something else. Well, see, but they, then with that, put but then with that, people laugh because it's oh. like, oh, it's not Metroid Prime. They're like, well, it's still first person, Metroid they game. put
0: themselves in a corner because Metroid signifies 2D Metroid I know, yeah, and Metroid prime signifies I, 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 2D I know, Metroid. yeah. They it's dude, it's the Mario situation. So that same treehouse, uh, well, listen, Mario doesn't have that problem. No, it does. No, you should go okay. So the treehouse, not in the same way because they managed to parse it. Well if I'm go, what his
1: name because, I mean you have Mario Sunshine, Mario 64. No, I know, but let Mario, hold, Galaxy, on, hold on, Mario Odyssey. That
0: Treehouse blog post I was talking about that Bill Tran wrote about the Garnet box and he was describing it. He's like, there are four lines of Treehouse of Mario games. There's the new Super Mario Brothers series, which is the two D Mario's. There's the Super Mario series, Sans Brothers, which means open world. Then there's its offshoot, Super Mario Galaxy, which is its own more linear but also open world experience. And then there's the three D Super Mario three D series, which is a point a to point b very linear spin on new super mario brothers nintendo seems to think there are four separate mario series even though we all interpreted as super mario means 3d new super mario means 2d so they could get crazy with metroid prime and do other weird gaming schemes is my point like they don't they somehow believe that people think there are literally four different branches of mario franchises I
1: mean, I there's, not, that, yeah. there's not yeah, there's not
0: there right. is not so like if they think that i on one hand, I think that means they can do something and call it, like, Metroid something else. But then they also – like, all their point was all the 2D Mario's are now new. All the 3D Mario's in any form are now super, like, as the first word. Metroid Prime is still the signal Well, they both for 3D, still have so, super. You know.
1: super. I mean, it's still new Super Mario Brothers. The first word's new, oh. and the first word's
0: super. That's apparently the split that they then divide within.
1: So I imagine, for better or
0: worse, uh, it's Metroid and it's Metroid Prime.
1: New. I mean, why isn't it just the one that ends in brothers, and the other ones don't? Because Nintendo. <laughs> I mean,
0: <laughs> but yeah, and and the funny thing about that point I made about the naming is it both suggests that they will keep Metroid Prime and totally argues that they will not keep Metroid Prime for 3D because like it, they have no lar- Metroid
1: Prime the next chapter.
0: Yeah, or like Metroid Prime
1: <laughs> returns <laughs> with a D at the end. I don't know.
0: Oh wait, yeah, no. But speaking of returns, good segue because we don't really know what Metroid Prime Four is. So like, I'm excited to see what it'll be, but we literally know nothing. But we do know an awful lot about the second shoe of sorts that dropped 90 minutes after Metroid Prime Four was announced, and that was in the Treehouse, and that was Metroid: Samus Returns. So, Returns is already taken. They can't do it. They could do New Metroid, Resur- New Metroid mm-hmm. Prime, there Resurgence, we go. New Metroid Prime Resurgence, Federation Force HD.
1: Uh, imagine it was. Like could you imagine HD Metroid Prime Four was Federation Force? <laughs>
0: that would be. I
1: would M-Metro not Prime Federation Force DX.
0: Oh yeah, or, or yeah, exactly. Oh, man, that would be... Heads would roll. Like, I think Nintendo's booth would have been torn down by rioters if that happened. But luckily, they went the other route, and they gave us real Metroid with Samus Returns, and it looks really good. Like, what Samus Returns ultimately is is just a remake of Metroid 2 The Return of Samus. But they they have Mercury Steam, who did, like, a really decent, good Castlevania game recently. Mm -hmm. They have them basically taking the original plot and gameplay of Metroid 2 but then throwing in all this kind of more modern stuff. So that means it's a little more fluid, from what I've seen, it looks more action-packed. They have like a new um, free-aim system where you can shoot a full 360 degrees if you hit R. You're not just limited to the eight angles of normal 2D Metroid. There's this whole melee uh, counter-attack system where if you press X at just the right moment as an enemy comes at you, you can sort of deflect them and then do sort of some close combat stuff. Which for Metroid's a pretty big shakeup because usually you are dodging enemies and keeping distance, but this is actually enc- encouraging much more close combat stuff, mm-hmm. which is kind of different. Um, like it, lo- it looks cool and all that stuff together. Seeing it in that new 3D look and everything, really looks very like slick. Like mm-hmm. it's very fluid, it's very fast. It still has the exploration of Metroid from what I can tell. Like you know, the bottom screen's a map. But I was just very really impressed at how, like, slick
1: it looked. It's almost unrecognizable from the original. Right. I mean, we're but, yeah, about, it's the exact same but scenario. we're talking about a Game Boy game.
0: Yeah. But, yeah, it's very unrecognizable. And they also have the whole, like, uh, special move thing. The, um... I don't know if this was in the original. I don't remember. The Aeon, or however you pronounce it, like, liquids you collect. And then those give you special abilities like you can scan a whole room at once on your map you
1: can you can even rapid scan fire <laughs> that's true.
0: you can rapid fire missiles with unlimited ammo for a limited time if you like trigger yeah, special moves not. i
1: mean they played the original you definitely they can definitely do. didn't have no. any of this.
0: so yeah so that's also in there which yeah, the feels very hurt. modern that alone feels very modern like special brief abilities but yeah it, it's cool to see and they're also apparently looking to do um kind of zero mission style like new stuff at the end so yeah, I'm definitely. Really looking forward to this. It's one. really cool. Also, that dynamic camera when you're fighting bosses and like do the finishing blow, or like sweeps in. Like when they showed him fighting, uh, or him. It's wow. Like they took a page out of her other M
1: fighting. What? It's like they took a page out of other M.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like a hint of other M, but they kept it strictly 2D in in its actions. And also, it looks really good in 3D. Like watch the E. if you guys haven't listening, mm-hmm. if you guys haven't, or you in front of me, Angel, if you haven't watched Same it on the, the 3DS a e uh,
1: new console without 3D.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a little ironic. The timing's weird. It's very weird to hear them hype up the t- new 2DS XL and then be like, by the way, the 3D and the new Metroid is top-notch. Like, but
1: don't worry, Mario Luigi doesn't use 3D. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it's like, it's fine, guys. It's fine. But I honestly, I think this just predates when they decided to ditch 3D and they kept it in there. But it looks so good, the 3D. But And what's really great is this is, to Reggie's point about IP vi- revitalization, Sans Returns is a full re-embracing of Metroid. Because we went from basically nothing to not just Sam's Returns, but a special edition of Sam's Returns that comes here in the U.S. with a 25-song franchise soundtrack. An inferior cover to the European one. Yeah, the the European version is so much better. You know what they get in the European special edition besides the different cover and all that? Steelbook, art book, Morph Ball Keychain, a Metroid pin, the soundtrack. Just stop, just stop, And. I don't know how much it costs, but I would buy all of those things in one package. NOA, if you're listening, I would buy mm. all of those things. You could import, but 3DS is not region-free, so I don't know what you're going to do.
1: Actually, I could just import it and then just download the game. So you're paying double just to have the collector item.
0: That's reasonable. I like if, Metro, if you like Metroid uh, Yeah,
1: I like Metroid enough to do that. And I mean, my Mac doesn't even have a CD drive, so yeah. I don't even know how I'm going to get the music. Does the other... I, I have an
0: external you can borrow.
1: An external music drive, Excuse
0: I mean drive? CD drive. Yeah. Oh, or my dad does. We're getting real. Like everyone listening's like, "Sweet, Jason's dad has an external CD drive." Yes, he does. But uh, I'm anyway, into the. But but the thing about the thing because about that would love to
1: have it with the download game.
0: Yeah, oh uh, yeah. Remind me after us. But the um the, the the sticking point with Sansa turns out a lot of people seem to have, which we kind of touched on by saying it was on 3ds. Is uh why is it on 3ds? Like a lot of people seem to. I saw a lot of people like this will look great in HD on Switch, and they are right, it would, but ultimately I think what Nintendo's doing here is it boils down to exposure. Like Reggie talked about this with Polygon, Um, and basically it boils down to this idea that the, the 3DS is gonna give way more exposure to a Metroid reboot and to this idea of revitalizing the IP than the Switch ever would. So as great as it would look on Switch in HD, Reggie very blatantly in this uh, Polygon interview said in the most non-PR spin answer I've ever heard him say hey I'm, I'm gonna paraphrase him but like hey there's over 66 million devices out there that can play this game and what better way to introduce people to Metroid on the Switch than by having them first play it on their 3DS which, have they 66, already have. which they already have and, like, you cannot argue it. There is no argument to make against this. Like, if you look historically at how Nintendo's been juggling 3DS and, and uh, Switch, this has actually been their strategy since day one. The 3DS is somehow now becoming the Halo device of the Switch, much in the same way that mobile games are becoming Halo games for Nintendo devices in the first place. Like, take, for example, when they announced Fire Emblem. You may recall Fire Emblem Echoes, and Fire Emblem for Switch, the traditional Fire Emblem coming in 2018, were announced at in the same direct minutes apart. That is not coincidence. They announced Echoes first, and then they went, oh, we know there's a lot of people that want to buy Switch, so don't worry Switch owners. Don't worry hardcore this fans. The Steelbook is a big again, of, the,
1: of the Game Boy cartridge?
0: Yeah. Wow. I have not seen this. I could tell. AoI came out yesterday, or two days ago.
1: Jeez. But anyway, while
0: you while you look at that, I'll keep going with my point here. Uh, so, yeah, like, Fire Emblem's a good example of how they, you know, how they're kind of using one system to get to the other. And we most recently, we kind of talked about this before, we saw it with Pokemon in that Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon were announced 3S exclusives, people flipped out, and then boom, a week later in the spotlight, suddenly Pokemon's coming to Switch. So, there's definitely kind of, is just the third in this, and there's definitely kind of this, like, system Nintendo has in place where 3D smartphone begets 3ds 3ds get switch ultimately everyone's playing these games on switch love the ips going to universal buy studios buying all the like merchandise of them and it's win-win for nintendo and even if this doesn't work as a halo strategy i can't blame nintendo for why i keep the 3Ds alive in general as of right now the system still accounts for over half of all of nintendo's business so that's probably why you hear reggie saying to publications like ign and whatnot that the 3ds will be supported beyond 2018 because as long as there's an audience of those 66 million plus 3DS, 3DS owners, and as long as they're out there buying games, Nintendo's going to su- keep supplying games to those people, because there's literally no reason not to. More often than not, those games might end up getting people to come to Switch eventually, and try Metroid Prime 4, for example. But even if they don't, Nintendo's still able to just pump out games and make money, because, as I bring up almost every episode, it all ties back to Nintendo keeping it, the 3DS as their like budget system. The budget system strategy—they're doing it so well. I mean, Sans Returns is an example of the strategy because starting Mercury Steam, uh, Mercury Steam make the game, which leaves their internal teams free for Switch development. You see it with the surprise announcement of Sushi Striker, The Way of Sushido, which is a zany-looking title. You know, it's that crazy pl- uh, plate stacking puzzle game thing. You saw that, right? The sushi, oh, yeah. yeah, like that's an example of the whole like 3DS budget system because it's made by. Uh, Indie Zero, who previously made NES Remix, but is not really a core Nintendo internal team, so they can do that while Nintendo focuses on Switch, and perhaps th- an even better example of how this strategy lives on is in the now confirmed, originally leaked 3DS remake of Mario Luigi Superstar Saga. Here's a game that takes an existing scenario from a Game Boy game, overlays it on top of an existing 3DS engine, and then requires only minimal new development for that accompanying B- Bowser's Minions mode and you have a whole new game that 66 million people may buy. So, it's it's very smart, Nintendo. Very smart. And very I've got, smart. I've got to be honest with you, actually. That Bowser minion mode, which is actually called Minion Quest, sounds kind of amazing in, like, a fourth-wall-breaking parody of Mario and Luigi sort of way. Like, I don't know. Did you did you watch the Treehouse segment on it or anything?
1: I saw some of it.
0: So, you know kind of the basic premise where it's like yeah. you're a, Goon of, or a squad of Goom, Goombas and, trying to rescue Bowser. and you're trying to rescue Bowser, but it's in parallel to the main plot of Mario and Luigi as that's happening. Mm -hmm. So like that, that just seems like that is ripe for fourth wall stuff. So I'm I'm kind of curious to see how that goes. I don't know if it's enough to make me double dip on Superstar Saga as a whole, but it, it, it's a nice addition and Superstar Saga's remake in general looks pretty good. Like the graphics have a nice major overhaul even though they're not in 3D
1: yeah although a lot but of per- I can't tell good. The- although a lot of personality was lost in the transition yes
0: the sprite work is not the- it was significantly more like I mean bouncy like- so to speak than, than uh, well because the I mean, they could easily
1: pull it they could easily pull it off with this one it's just um, expressions just aren't quite there like even yep. in the beginning like um, where that part where Peach's voice gets stolen when the toads are shocked like they get that toony, like one of their eyes grows like ridiculously big and the other guy goes tiny and they're like screaming like mm-hmm. Bloody Mary. But in this one, they're just like shifting back and forth without really changing much. Yeah. So
0: also a uh, side note, if you hear a faint happy birthday in the background, it's a party whenever anyone talks about E3 and there's one going on at uh, Angel's Neighbors. So if you hear a clapping right about now, they're probably blowing out candles or eating a cake. So just, it's, it's not us. We apologize if it's interfering with your, I was having
1: fun. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Like we can't really go outside and be like, hey guys, we have a podcast. So, you know, no birthdays, but just if you hear it, that's what it is. Anyway, sorry. I didn't interrupt you. I just heard it and watched it.
1: Well, too late. And now I have my train of thought. Your train of thought
0: was about uh, the art, the art style of Martin Oh, no. I
1: think I finished my point.
0: You did. That's why I waited till the end, but I wasn't sure if you had more. So you got doubled double dip or is the lack of personality plus the sameness of it all going to hold you back?
1: I don't know. I might double dip. It's it been, has been... It's been a while since I replayed it's it. has been 15 years since it came Aldous out. has replayed it more recently, but I might double dip just to play it. Well, actually, no. It depends on what's coming out, and I guess it depends. Well, it's out in October. We'll say, yeah. Kind by a... itself. Early October, like the 6th It or comes something. out the same month as Mario Odyssey. Yeah, that's three weeks before.
0: You know what you can do in those three weeks? You can beat it.
1: I don't know. It, that's why it just depends on yeah. how much free time I have. It's also
0: two weeks after poke roughly. Or no, it's closer. honestly. it's like the fifteenth,
1: not the sixth. I mean, I might be doing another rhythm heaven run at that time. I don't uh, know.
0: Did you just do one? Yeah. Like yesterday?
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was fun. I always find a new way to play it. Do a close eye run, a touch green run, right? Button right. run. But
0: yeah, I I I can't tell if I'm gonna. I can't tell if I'm going to um get Mario and Luigi to be honest. Like. It has been long enough. It's been 15 years. It's been long enough that I could see myself double dipping, but it's kind of like, I know the plot, and you do it. I don't... Maybe
1: you'll beat it this time.
0: I actually beat the original. You did? I did. I did. No, I really did. Because Fawful, honestly. He became a meme on the Nintendo forums as my Rang, so I needed to like see what all these references were. because You don't of... have to play very far to see who Fawful is. But not the whole thing. He's in the whole plot give me a weird look. Oh. I really did. I really did. I'll, I want to see your you the car- file Yeah, sometime. I want to see your cartridge. I yeah. really did. I to. Wa- I why would I make you. this up? <laughs> no, I did because he was like literally he was the it thing on Nintendo forums for a while. So I was like, I mean, I don't want to delete what looks like spam, but it's actually fall full lines.
1: <laughs> so I actually went through and played. It's the same reason I read
0: all the Harry Potter books in one. So that's what it, it takes
1: out. to get you to play a game. In this
0: specific instance,
1: not actually wanting to. What? No, that's what Moby made it. Yes, exactly. Well,
0: whatever works. But now if there's no Nintendo form, I'll just Yeah, I'll be remind beautiful. me of bring the cartridge sometime. Yeah. But uh Yeah, so that, that's first party Nintendo stuff at E3. That there's no real way to like nicely cap that. That's what Nintendo show first party. There's also a fair amount of third party stuff too. Um some games there isn't much to say, but they played well and they kinda left me interested in the full release. I mean, I think Sonic Forces is a good example of that. I did say an episode or two ago that I'd mention how it is? So here we go. It's exactly oh, what I wanted it to be. It is basically a pure Sonic game. Um, even the custom character thing, which they call the avatar, feels like it has a similar rhythm to Sonic, just with a couple little additional flares. For example, there's a grappling hooks, so or you have a little like Spider-Man two swinging moments. There's um, the ability to equip custom items. So, for example, I was a rabbit who had a flamethrower. So, instead of homing into enemies, you could also just flamethrower, flame them flame down, basically. But it didn't, like, interrupt the Sonic gameplay in a real way. It wasn't like suddenly you go from running really fast to big the cat fishing or whatever. Like, it still felt Sonic. So, that's all I wanted out of it. So, the fact that I had that, I'm happy. I'm looking forward to the game. I suspect this might be why. I, I mean, even the Sega reps. We're like, hey, if you like Sonic Colors and Sonic Generations, this is your game. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that works. I like Sonic Colors. I've not played generations, but I like Sonic Colors. So so yeah, I was happy with that. Another one that I had the opportunity to try and was just kinda like more of a side note than anything else is uh, runner three. So Runner Three wasn't really on the show floor, but it was an indie mixer and I gotta try it there and it it's a night nice, it's kinda the same thing as Sonic, is like it's familiar, it's what you expect, but they have some new added features that add a little flair to it. In this case, that comes in two forms. One is more elaborate branching path, and the other is vehicles. So the branching paths were always kind of a thing in Runner 2, right? Like they were either, you, you know, you're yeah, running top, left to right, middle, it's down. either top or down. Or top, middle, down. So this, or middle. So this one, they actually branch off, like into the screen somewhere else, and you'll know how they're going to turn out. And if you press a button when you get to them, you actually can fork and go down that branching path. So it's like a it, it's like a more in depth version of what yeah, we saw. But right
1: I mean, kid. I I was watching a lot of gameplay about a lot of gameplay of it, and it's still a, basically. Although it have a, a lot of branching path, I feel like it's as impacting as the gravity was in Mario Kart 8. This is this is kind of what I'm getting so at. So not at all. Well, this is kind of what <laughs> this is kind of what I'm getting it, at. It's more with. Yeah, it's just nicer to look it's at It's the same
0: game but with a little flair. Yeah. Like much like Sonic, okay, you're still running for it, but oh hey, you're shooting fire. Does that really change anything? No. Does having a grapple hook change much? No. You're still it's all still just like space platform. The only
1: thing I saw that seemed to have any kind of impact that was like, Oh, this is actually new. The vehicles. No. No? That I mean, they're still doing the same thing.
0: Well the vehicles are a little the, different in that it's you're actually controlling
1: I mean instead in of like, running, you're just controlling up or down to get little icons I little guess gold yeah whatever you're yeah. collecting
0: yeah to some extent but it just feels a little again kind of like what I was saying with Sonic like it's the same rhythm of the gameplay so to speak especially in Runner's case it's literally rhythm but it's just it's in different styles or yeah. different ways I don't
1: know I, I mean obviously this is just like from the yeah. footage I saw no but, I mean it plays vehicle, but, exactly how you think it would um, no the only thing that I saw that seemed significantly different was like I guess at some point like some characters can stop to talk to you and I guess they ask you to do stuff,
0: but... I did not
1: experience that while I
0: played. because no, I did, however, get to hear exclusive E3 demo-only dialogue from Charles Martinet. He recorded 10 seconds just for E3 attendees.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, And they always showed it to me because I was talking about Charles Martinet and saying, like, hey, it's really cool that you guys got into voice acting. And like, oh, you'll love this. And, like, took me to the title screen. I was like, here. So...
1: Hmm.
0: Anyway, sorry, you're starting to say.
1: Yeah, so I guess in the footage I saw um, Commander video running and then some creepy looking crab I mean clam coming out of a tin can or something and starts talking to him and it just like stops the game That so, like, He was running doing the level and right. then it just stops him and then it has I don't know, it just had a lot of dialogue. Something about like here can you do this quest for me? I need your help. Mm-hmm. And they played the level normally after that. I don't know if there was like a branch fight they could have taken off to actually complete this challenge that the crab that the clam gave him. Right. But I mean that does seem like an actual yeah. fundamental difference to the game. Yeah, but I yeah. guess we'll see. Funny
0: that that wasn't in the demo I played. But yeah, I'm. I'm. If nothing else, if you like Runner Two, Runner Three is more of the same. And and there's some cool stuff. Like there's one level layer in the game that I got to try where it's like um, the level's building itself in real time as you're running. So, you know, like you could sometimes look ahead. Granted, you're just going with the rhythm ultimately. So if you're if you could follow the beat of the music, you can platform just fine. But. Um, this one like you know you can' even look ahead if you want to because it's literally not there until like a second before you get to it, which is yeah. it's, it's a very cool visual effect.
1: Yeah, and, I, and I love Runners with so this is yeah. like definitely an easy buy easy choice, even yeah. if I didn't see any footage right right
0: but the so those are just a couple games I played that I just want to touch on but the biggie of third party games that I played and really want to touch on is none other than of course Mario plus rabbit's kingdom Battle, which is shockingly good as in it's my runner up. For game of the show levels of good, only behind Mario Odyssey. But like, that's so much. Wait a minute, it doesn't say much. I played no, th- no, I was asking. I said, oh, does it, that does, think? it says a fair amount, I'd say. I mean, you can scoff at the concept of Mario's, Mario and Rabbids all you want, but the one thing that really shined through in this demo and why I liked it so much, and actually it shined through in the press conference too, Ubisoft press conference, is just like so much genuine passion behind this project. Like the developers are really are proud this is not a cheap cash in so they can get the Mario name. And everything about the game, like really screams that it's not a cheap cash in that they we're just getting the Mario name for. Like it's impressive. Like playing the demo really drove the point home. So the vibe of the game, first of all, is super on point for what it's trying to be. Like there are for sure some perhaps overly silly rabid humor moments. Like at one point you walk past a rabbit in a giant toilet, absolutely no explanation of why never really addressed in the demo just kind of there but the presentation of that within the weird twisted mushroom kingdom that the game kind of makes for itself oddly makes sense and doesn't feel weird like you could be that's dumb humor Say sure but in the context of the game it's like alright that makes sense like I don't know how better to say this than just like the game's very comfortable in its own skin it knows what it wants to be it does what it wants to do very well and it is a very polished demo as a result like a demo, by the way, that graphically was extremely impressive. It almost, at times, looked like a CG cartoon, which is how colorful and stylized and like rounded the geometry was. Like all the characters had like a sheen to them. It was really well done. And gameplay-wise, it's just simply a lot of fun. I think everyone's pretty much latched onto this idea of Mario and Rabbids being kind of this like more accessible XCOM. Which essentially translates to it's a turn-based strategy game that focuses on long-range rep- long-range weaponry and this idea of like always taking cover. Can and
1: kind of like, um, codenamed Steam. Yes, I it is
0: similar to Codename Steam in some regard, but a little bit faster. Yeah. And the and that's not a dig at codename steam being notoriously slow. I mean, literally, this game just moves at a quicker pace. Um, yeah, I mean, that game also was notoriously
1: slow that they had to patch yeah, it by, by at the the name, double speed. Yeah,
0: it, not even in assets. I just mean like the battles just seem to go
1: fast. Like you're on no, the battlefield. that game existed less. and that it was an original idea. Yeah, well,
0: that that should get a DX remake. honestly like. There's a lot of cool ideas in codename steam. It just never latched on. But yeah, so what what uh what Ubisoft is doing with Mario rabbits though is um they are keeping the typical turn-based fair, but they're kind of throwing some twists on it. So, you know, you have your grid, you move your characters where you want, but then on top of that, you can sort of daisy-chain together different things. So, for example, you don't have to just shoot an enemy from far away. If the enemy is in within your character's movement range, you can actually set your path through the enemy, which will then physically attack them, then go, like, say, hide behind a corner nearby that's still within your range, and then shoot the enemy from that corner. So you can kind of like do almost combos, which you don't really see in turn-based strategy games. You like one and done. You do one move, that's it. Like in Fire Emblem, for example, you literally—it's literally like, oh, do you? Or actually, that's a bad example. In Advance Wars, it's like, oh, do you want to clear the fog of war? Do you want to clear up some mist? That's your whole turn. In in rabbits, it's like, oh, do you want to kick a rabbit in the face? Punch another rabbit with like Pe- Rabbit Peach's uh, smartphone, then run behind a corner and shoot the first one again. Guess what? You can. That's all one big string of actions you can do. And then on top of that, and perhaps more unique to Mario Rabbids than really anything else, than any other thing they have in the game, is the jump mechanic. So at any time that you have a teammate in range, you can have your guy that you're currently moving go to that person and essentially boost their movement by like nearly double, or at least way further down the map, because you will be catapulted by your teammate in a very Mario-style jumping thing further down. Similarly... There are rabbit styled warp pipes on some levels that are strategically placed by Ubisoft to kind of encourage you to go get behind enemies and essentially surround enemies and take cover in all these different ways so you sort of enclose the enemy from all sides if you can swing the strategy just right. So combined, all these little things make for battles that are really fast and fluid, kind of to my point about Codename Steam just being slow. Like, that was a very meticulous one, this one. This is like... It's like if Codename Steam was chess... This is like checkers. And I don't mean in terms of like skill level, like one requires a lot more skill than the other. I mean in terms of like checkers games go by a lot faster than chess. So it's kind of that. But uh, it's very fast and fluid. It still has a lot of strategic options. I mean, granted, the E3 demo was only the very beginning of the game, literally the first 20 minutes of the game. And there were just three or four battles within that 20-minute demo. But in that, Ubisoft was already able to show a lot of variety. Like, there's different goals within the battlefields, for example. Sometimes it's to feel the enemies. Sometimes it's just reach a goal at the other end. And there's all sorts of different obstacles along the way, be it enemies, be it giant chain chomps that affect both you and your enemies, be it, you know, giant DK rabbits that can kind of move more freely than most rabbits. Like, you mean all there's all more like... than one? There are different rabbits. yes. I mean, I mean Oh, of what... the DKs? Yeah, I don't know if they're actually de- – I take it back. I don't think they're actually DKs, but they're kind of like hulked-up rabbits.
1: Well, they had DK ties.
0: Yeah. Well, there's a DK rabbit you fight at the end of the demo. He's like a boss. But I don't remember if these two lesser ones were also DK. I think they were. It's been a week. I don't quite remember. There were rabbits with ties that could thwack you very hard. And it was maybe DK. (laughs) I don't remember. But regardless, um, you got all that going on. Then if you layer on typical strategy game staples you can see that, like, at least the impression I got coming out of that demo, is there's going to be a lot of depth for a game that's as goofy as and Rabbids is on the surface. Like, you have a party of three at any given time in the game, but you have up to eight different characters you can choose from, four Rabbids, four Mushroom Kingdomers, and each has their own unique skill tree, each has their own weapon set, each character also has a special technique move, which you can use in battles, such as uh, Mario, for example. You can set, like, on this next turn, if a rabbit runs in front of me, or on these next X number of turns, if a rabid runs in front of me during their turn, and I'm Mario, I'll automatically shoot him. Like, you know, you could just sort of lay traps or heal people or shield people or, like, all these extra things that are character-specific on top of the already specific weapons per character on top of the skill trees. So there's actually, you know, it's like a real, a real strategy game. There's lots of depth. And that's not even mentioning the fact that there are over 250 weapons in the game in total. And that's not even including whatever they're doing with Amiibo. You're going to be able to scan an Amiibo and do something with Rabbids. My guess is more weapons. Who knows? But still, like there's many layers to the onion that is Mario and Rabbids. And by the way, I haven't even touched on the whole exploration half of the game, which honestly isn't as good as the battles it's still like it gets the job done it's enjoyable but it's nothing more than a means to get from battle to battle at least not in the demo i played like you it feels a little more mario-y you are you know at one point they have you do a red coin challenge you get the eight red coins by like walking through this maze where walls pop up at random so you kind of navigate your way out to get all the coins and get out to the other side there's other regular coins you can grab in little nooks and crannies of the map but the whole thing it kind of like I said, it's more of a means to the end, a, a means to an end to get back to battles, but it did kind of feel like traveling around in like a Mario and Luigi game or a Paper Mario game, may, namely Sticker Stars, what it reminded me of, where it's sort of like you're kind of exploring, but there's not like much weight to it. It's more just connecting the dots. Um, like but the is,
1: exploring in Fire Emblem? Echoes? No,
0: because that's a little more like Zelda third person. I mean, kind of just different. Yeah, this one's like isometric perspective, so it's a little different, but you could argue. It's somewhat similar, yeah. And um, what's also kind of interesting is when you're exploring, you're not controlling the characters; you're controlling this little Roomba-looking guy with rabbit ears, who then the characters follow. So you might have three—you ra- know—you might have Mario, your rabbit, and your third team member, whoever it may be, and they're all just automatically following this little Roomba puck thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. The, the the thing I really cannot stress enough, though, like I—it just it feels so well done. Like the demo was so well done. Like, in hindsight, it actually is kind of good that Mario and Rabbids was leaked before E3, because instead of us discussing how strange this concept is, we're able to sit here and talk about, where I'm able to say, how good the game behind the concept is. Like, it is Maybe like that was solid. a plan the whole time? Yeah, that's what I kind of joked last episode. says, maybe it was a controlled leak, like the Wii name being announced before the Wii came out, but I don't know. Like, there's, there's just, like, passion oozing out of this thing. Like, it is just so well done, and you can tell the developers really care. I mean, you don't go higher a composer like Grant Kirkhope, who, you know, did the Donkey Kong Country games, did a bunch of rare games. You don't go hire him to compose your game unless you know that someone like Grant Kirkhope is right for your game and your vision. This isn't, that's not something you do for a cash-in. That's something you do when you have actual genuine passion about your product. Similarly, I would argue you probably don't create figurines of Rabid Peach, Rabid Mario, Rabid Luigi, and then sell a $100 collector's, collector's edition of your game unless you truly believe in your product and really think you have something special. Because like, you know no one will buy it otherwise. So, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like The fact that all this is happening around it just sort of further exemplifies that this really is a true passion project for these guys. Which mm. is great for them.
1: really hope it does well.
0: Yeah, it's like, especially because like that... You saw the thing at Ubi's press
1: conference, right? The The guy the that got a shirt director? that says, Don't cry, Ubisoft man?
0: Yeah, so his name... He, he has a it's name Ubisoft beyond man. Ubisoft
1: it's name. Ubi- it's Ubi- what? It's Ubisoft man.
0: His real name, his legal birth name, is David Solon- uh, Soliani. He is the creative director of Marin Rabbids. and to be honest, him tearing up when Miyamoto called him out is single-handedly my favorite moment of E3. What? Like it was just because you never see. I mean, this is a guy. It turns out it came out like right after it happened that he back before he made games, he's and to his, he's a huge Nintendo fan. But back before he made games, he once ra- waited ten hours in the rain just to meet Miyamoto outside a hotel. like He figured out where Miyamoto was staying in Madrid, Milan, and went and waited and then met him, just because he was his hero. And then to be at E3 in the audience what, like however many years later, 15 years later, let's say, and the guy that you were just idolizing and stood raid for 10 hours is now presenting your game and calls you out and says you know, this is your thing, your baby, and it's great. Like, That must be an insane feeling. Like I feel like that one moment washed away a ton, if not all, of the internet's cynicism towards this game. And it's just it's just really cool to see. I don't know. Like Ubisoft press conference as a whole actually had a lot of like real passion on display, which you don't usually see at E3. Like I feel it's kind of refreshing because normally you see like marketing speak or PR people, but like the Ubisoft conference was like real genuine excitement and passion from the actual people making the games like the other example of it like martin rabbits is one and again really good game comes out august 29th i, I for sure am buying it i, I i'm ser- i'm also almost considering the collector's edition like i like it that really much. i was really blown away by it but i don't think i'm gonna do it because a it's a hundred dollars and b it's sold out Oh, <laughs> but I I am seriously that makes it easier. But I was seriously considering it for a minute there. But like, so Rabbids is one thing, but the other game that really like demonstrated this Ubisoft passion was Beyond Good and Evil Two, which right as it's you know it was kind of a mic drop. No one really knew it was going to be there. It was all pre rendered, of course. But right as the trailer ended, its creator Michael Ansel, who also did, uh, you know, Rayman and uh, and the Rabbids, he uh he was wiping back tears on stage, like. That, you know, you don't see that very much actually. It's kind of cool. And in, in Beyond Good and Evil's case, granted, the game is nowhere near ready. We're not going to see it for years. In fact, behind closed doors... Like, why haven't announced it yet? Yeah, kind of. It was kind of like a throwing a bone to the it fans. It was almost like... Well, no, this one's different because they're doing a fan-driven campaign. Well, they want fans they to give... They announced it in tandem with the Space Monkey program, I think is what it's called, where they want fans to help influence the direction of the game. Kind of like Mega Man Legends 3, but hopefully actually successful. It doesn't get canceled. I know, I don't
1: remember that. But yeah, but uh, at wh- least they're at least it sounds like they're doing something this time. Because remember, how many years was it when they released that other CG trailer? That was the CG trailer for *Beyond Good and Evil* 2? Uh It was 2011, I think.
0: Jeez. yeah, it was a long time ago. And now here we are again. But but the thing <laughs> is, they are this time they're showing actual gameplay behind closed doors. So at E3, there's a tech demo with these huge ambitions that's gonna be like a No Man's Sky style like procedural world there'd be dynamic planets that could literally change in real time like if a meteor were crashing what into one is of the cities Bianca and
1: Evil a 3D platformer? I what? I, I don't no, know, I, Bianca and Evil is kind
0: of Zelda-esque
1: I never played the original a little so like, Zelda. like Star Fox Adventures? Yes but with
0: a camera you took pictures but, but yeah so the, the new demo is all that but then that part comes in because you will be running a small ship and slowly hmm. building out an armada of pirates but you'll go hmm. plant to planet and do stuff that's kind of the premise. But all they showed at E3 was the ships and the planets and how you can scale out and see like 20,000 kilometers of planets at once or something. So yeah, the likelihood we're going to get this game exactly as Ansel's envisioning it seems a bit slim, but it does sound kind of incredible, especially given that like one of the things that Beyond Good and Evil was really cool for was um, its really interesting, strong character development. Because like, in 2002 when it came out or 2003, that was kind of... You didn't see games like that that did that and they did a really good job of Making that theme beyond evil, you can't kind of see it in the teaser for the sequel, so I'm excited for that. But the rest of it, I don't, I don't know if it's gonna work. I also don't know how it even work on Switch. It's it's supposedly maybe coming to Switch. Ubisoft tweeted and deleted Switch as a platform.
1: It's on PS3, maybe I could actually play it.
0: It's it's good. I recommend it. But, do you have it um, on GameCube? Yeah, You do. do I you? do. That one I have not beat, but uh, mm. it um. Yeah, I don't know how this would work on Switch. They'd have to like do most of the game on the cloud side, I'd imagine. Because there's no way the Switch can process all this. But And there's no way that any of this is even becoming reality anytime soon. But the thing that is just so cool about it is there's so much... It's such an obvious passion project. And it's really cool to see that. Because, you know, the thing about passion projects is not always do they turn out the way you want them to. Not always can passion projects really, like, is exactly what you envision 100% plausible. So what Beyond Go and Evil 2 becomes, who knows... But Martin Rabbids nailed it in terms of the vision and matching that vision, at least from the demo I played. So it, it it's funny to see like how passion projects play out. I will say it's just nice to see the passion. Like Ubisoft, hands down, best conference. No, no, it does,
1: it does. suck when it doesn't work out, like in Tumbleseed's case, because they definitely poured it in there, and I guess they didn't. Yeah. So what? The so what happened
0: team. with that? Because there's no. It, I even brought this up when you gave impressions. I think what last episode? Game has a reputation for being hard. And it sounds like... Which I read I, the same post It sounds like they actually ended up hurting the game. in yeah. sales And reputation. And yeah, and play. I was reading a
1: lot of the comments, and they were saying, like, yeah, it just looked too hard for me, or they, I guess they tried to demo of it at, at a press event, and yeah, the the difficulty turned them off. And some of them even said that... um, this, I mean, because it's a roguelike, that kind of amplifies its difficulty a lot more because the obstacles aren't pre-planned. So sure. it's not like you're going to get a nice gradual learning curve that most games give you. It's just hard from the outset, kinda of like binding of Isaac. Right. And because it's a completely different control scheme, you really have to play it to really get the hang of it. Right. And I don't know, but I mean I'd argue that like it's like elements, so things that are random are so nicely programmed that it almost looks like it's pre planned. Like you I like if you if you hadn't told me that it was randomly generated, I would have thought that that's just how it I remember it was. you're
0: shocked when I first said it was.
1: Yeah, and I'm like, wow, like it just looks so clean yeah like usually roguelike games just like evidently look like random. well they live. look
0: stitched together because they literally are all. yeah kind of like bending
1: Isaac. It's like you're just entering rooms and you're like oh okay now the rock formations are right. in this pattern or blah 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 right but yeah that does suck and apparently like they I guess they they were telling up like their their expenses and they were saying like oh what we made out of the game was as if we were working for $10 an hour for a couple months uh, that sucks and they were working like more than 40 hour weeks because they had right, to, especially like during crunch and time. And that's not even counting the expenses of like making trips to go to press events right. to all that other stuff. And it kind of sounds like they're kind so of if, stuck. But they didn't they like just come out with a new update, at least in the Steam
0: version, soon to come to Switch? That
1: Yeah, so that, that could definitely help. Well, maybe like some sales or just better word of mouth. But
0: because, right. well, so what's the update do? It It adds. I assume it. Oh, the difficulty.
1: Something I did hear that apparently it's supposed to add mountains that have like basically those pre-made levels. Oh, interesting. So interesting. Could help. I oh know. yeah, it's called
0: like the Four Peaks update or something like that. Something like Not that. Not to be
1: confused with Twin Peaks, which is totally
0: separate. But <laughs> Twin Peaks, it's a show on Showtime that's like super twisted and weird from David Lynch. It's okay. a revival of a '90s show.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully this one does better. Yeah, that,
0: that's about. It's cool. Like, it's again. It's I'm not I'm
1: saying, saying, yeah, honestly, I would say it's my favorite indie game on the Switch right now. That's a really big endorsement in a way. There's it? a lot
0: of quality stuff on the Switch right now. I feel like.
1: But um, Let's yeah, see. it's
0: uh, it it's sad to hear it didn't work out for them. But I mean, it is. Well, one, it's cool that they're not giving up. Like to f- go back and add stuff to try and address the criticism. You know, because the thing about game hype cycle is usually you get the first couple of weeks and you're done we're six weeks in with Tumble Seed and the fact that they're willing to go back or no more we're like seven weeks in and the fact that we're, they're willing to go back and kind of revisit and hopefully give it a second wave and, I, and they're not like disheartened enough like they believe in the project so much the passions there so much that they're willing to give it a second shot and not to be like well that didn't work out I guess yeah, we're leaving game no development and- now like that's really cool like, you gotta take risks, and sometimes they work, and sometimes I know, they go not. And, and it's really cool that they double down, in a
1: way. hopefully that extra effort pays off, because that game is really good. And, yeah, I love yeah. the style of it. I still I still know yeah, yeah, that. Everything is just so unique about it, and, like, for once, like, the rumble, like, really does, like, feel cool in it when it's right. rolling down. Right, Yeah, I would say, like, between that one and Mr. Shifty, like, those two games, they really stood out, just because they're both so different from each other. But Tumble Seed, I feel like, edges out Mr. Shifty just mm-hmm. because of... Just how new it is, like like we said, like, it's based off of that ice-cold beer game. From the like, early 80s, late 70s. Yeah, yeah. which I, I never thought I would play a game like this. Like right. um, Mr. Shifty, I mean, it's a really, really fun game that I definitely recommend as I do Tumble Seed. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like I've already played a game exactly like that, which was Hotline Miami, except you can't teleport. But it's the exact same right, idea. Right. But Tumble totally unique. Yeah, exactly. Which is it's why so fresh.
0: I have hope that Michael Ansel's crazy plans for Beyond Good and Evil 2 somehow can materialize. It's a similar thing where it's like, wow, what an interesting new approach to gaming. Will it work? I don't know, but tum- like TumbleSeed's example of sometimes you try and it doesn't work. Yeah. But then they're trying to make it so it does work. So maybe Ansel with the feedback from fans will get, get it right and figure out a way to make it work and then bring it to Switch. Because, I mean, it's certainly not a Switch exclusive. That rumor never actually well, m- became truth, but who knows? Keep it in the table. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a It's a different table than usual. Um, yeah, before we leave Ubisoft completely, I did want to commend them for one thing. And that is they have become possibly the biggest third-party supporter of Switch outside of Nicholas. So
1: congratulations, Oh, you Ubisoft. mean it's not Capcom?
0: No, no, it's not. We'll get to Capcom. But I do want to say, I think the reason Ubisoft is doing well and why EA is not doing well, like it's, there's a, engines, game engines, they matter. Like here's why Ubisoft is suddenly doing so well, or it's suddenly a big supporter of Switch. Mario and Rabbids, is one game they're bringing right they're bringing just dance no surprise there because um you know it's always a hit on nintendo and then they're also bringing their first foray into toys to life a game called starlink bow for atlantis to switch and the thing about starlink and rabbits is those two share a game engine they both run on something called snowdrop and snowdrop is this custom ubisoft engine and in the case of starlink and it can be used in very different ways so in the case of starlink which actually looks pretty cool it's being used in kind of like Star Fox meets no man's sky like you have this ability to adjust your ship on the fly by literally taking pieces off and on a physical ship that you in the switches case replace your droid con grip with this like ship grip put your droid cons on it, and then it's just the center of your controller it's just this ship now granted I'm not planning to buy necessarily all the physical ship parts, but they let you do it digitally. So, I like Star Fox games. I like space exploration. I can see myself happily playing this, and the only bummer is it's not out until 2018. Fall 2018. So, it's a ways away. But more to point about Starlink, and why it's more significant in the broader picture, is that, like I was saying, it and Rabbids both run on Snowdrop. And every major publisher now seems to be making a custom engine to power all their games. It allows them to pump out games faster, all their developers are well-versed in the single, like, set of assets and code and all that like it makes sense and the thing about ubisoft is they're being very savvy to make sure that snowdrop works on switch that means that in the future should they choose to do to do it they can bring the south park rpgs to switch they can bring the upcoming avatar games they're making with james cameron to switch those all run snowdrop those all can easily be ported easy money for ubisoft you know minimum development high return investment makes sense and i think for us it also benefits it benefits us as fans because we get more games, right? but then you have other companies this is going towards the Capcom comment you're making who aren't doing that logical thing take EA for example just like Ubisoft EA has a custom engine theirs is called Frostbite and it powers basically everything they make from FIFA to Need for Speed to Star Wars like all of it to Battlefield, all of it is Frostbite and yet they're not making it switch compatible for some reason instead they're spending all that time that they can be making it switch compatible to build an entirely new engine just for their first switch release fifa 18 fifa on every other system runs frostbite on switch it runs a custom engine that means from the ground up they're adding each feature and mode into this custom engine from the ground up They need to build an ultimate team mode, a career mode, the women's league, the local station. it's a lot of money. It's probably why the Switch version of FIFA doesn't include a story mode like the Xbox and PlayStation versions of FIFA, because they have to manually do it. They have to manually re-render all those story cutscenes in this custom engine on Switch. It's like, it just doesn't make sense. Now, to be fair, it doesn't make FIFA on Switch a bad game. It's still running for 60 frames per second. I played multiple rounds of it at Nintendo's booth because there's a really short line, so it's just fun to go back when you have a little time to, like, take a break from the E3 crazy and just, like, kick around the a soccer ball. And it's really cool that, like, it works really well with the Joy-Con and the kickstand and everything. Like, you, you know, you just put it on a kickstand, you pop off a controller, give it to someone. Nintendo's actually demoing it on, fi- on, like, patio furniture, on, like, a fake outdoor area of New Dong City, so you can, like, sit back, like, in a park, quote-unquote, and just play FIFA with a Joy-Con. And it really, it did work. It was really cool. It was really fun. And uh, the, the thing is, though, I don't get why they're not just using the time and effort to make this custom engine to just go Ubisoft route and just bring Frostbite to Switch. And I realize I'm not the most tech-savvy person. I realize there's probably a million reasons that the Switch might not be able to run Frostbite, but it just seems odd for them to not explore it further, especially in light of Need for Speed Payback and its executive producer saying that that game, which runs on Switch, I mean, sorry, runs on Frostbite, could run on Switch. He's literally quoted as saying, Would that be a platform that need for speed payback could run on? I don't see why not, but it's not something we're looking uh, we're looking at this very moment. we're looking to at this merry moment. I botched that quote. But my point is, EA's literally like we could Run Frostbite on Switch. Like, Need for Speed would play just fine. But, nah, let's build a one off engine for one game. Should literally doesn't... just be
1: like, oh, it can run it. Let's do it. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, like, Already EA's tried. now, on, like, their
0: execs are now saying in interviews, oh, we're watching how the hardware does with Switch. We're waiting and seeing. It's like, no, so, wait. But no, this make, is the opportunity. You, have you guys have to make the difference. This is the moment. Like, you're on the ground floor of the Switch, so to speak. You are bringing your biggest franchise, EA, to the Switch with FIFA. That is. Not only is that your biggest franchise, it's on the hottest system out there right now. And I'm not saying that's a bias. I literally, it's like the top-selling system right now. So why would you choose to make a one-off investment instead of building for the future? It just, I don't get it. EA's like to be to put it more cynically, EA's like, well, we could put in a little more work now and do the right thing for long-term success, but nah, let's be lazy. Like, what are you thinking? Instead, granted, the FIFA team's probably a small team and they're building the engine by themselves. It's less of an investment. But just like, what are you? What are you doing? And in EA's defense, I hate like to defend this, but it's not like they're the only ones not treating Switch right. Like Ubisoft does it well, but I think a lot. I
1: think Ubisoft also has a lot of good like
0: Nintendo synergetic games.
1: Well, no, not just that. Just like a ton of like they have, they have so many like really fun IPs. Like I yeah. mean, like say what you will about I mean, like the the, the stagnation of Assassin's Creed. Like this right. so fun, but I mean EA.
0: Dude, what? but EA is Star Wars, EA is Battlefront. EA has Need for Speed. EA Did has. Did you play the last Battlefront? Uh, Battlefront one? No, but I heard
1: good things. Is it not good? I don't know. It's fun for like thirty minutes, and uh, then you pretty much play everything. Oh uh, well. Okay, fine. I but mean, the they, new Battlefront could be better. I don't know. And, oh wait, wait, wait. No,
0: I th- I meant Battlefield, not Battlefront. Sorry, but they also have Battlefront. They have Battlefield and Battlefront. Oh yeah. But they have um. They have a fair amount. I mean, I guess even like sports games. They have over- sports they're games. Huge. Wait, I mean, sports games would be huge on Switch. Madden would be huge oh, yeah, on yeah, Switch. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. guess what's not on Switch? So, and I, but I do get it. what i was trying to say is I do kind of get because like a lot of third parties got burned by Wii U. So even with the Switch's early success, they're probably a bit hesitant because they don't want you know they're caught off guard that's doing well and then they're like, yeah. well I don't know because last time we supported Nintendo that oh,
1: yeah. And I mean also to their defense, I mean like. Nintendo does kind of throw them a curveball with, like, the gamepad. It's not, like, yeah. just, like, the other console where it's just a controller. I mean, yeah. if only they could work with, like, Nintendo to, like, maybe...
0: Well, here's the thing. Nintendo previews those things years in advance. I know, like, yeah, I know, those... yeah. Yeah, and, and you know what the annoying thing is, though? So I get EA being weird. I don't agree they should do it, but I can kind of see their logic. But then you have third parties who had success with Nintendo during the down years, and even they seem weirdly timid about Switch. Like, what's up with Capcom? I know, they literally work when they tell you, like, oh can this you give is, us more RAM? Oh yeah, they, sure. They Nintendo showed them the Switch and they wanted more RAM. They repay the favor by making one game, Monster Hunter Double Cross or Double Generations, and saying, Yeah, we're just keeping that and in Japan. Street oh yeah, and Ultra Street Fighter Two, which doesn't need the extra RAM. Way of the whatever mode doesn't need the extra RAM. It doesn't need to exist. But um yeah, I don't get like they told games so Capcom's being really weird about and then Monster
1: Hunter. The Mega Man Collection. Mega Man Legacy uh, Collection 2 is not coming. And Disney the Saturday morning isn't coming. Brundle.
0: And all those are so easy to port. They don't even require the extra RAM. What are you doing? And
1: they're all like based on games that start on the NES. Like on Nintendo. Yeah, it's
0: super weird. And like, the, you know, the, the, the weirdest one for me is the Monster Hunter thing though. Because they told GameSpot where we, like was like, hey, so Monster Hunter World is coming PS4 and Xbox. That's kind of cool. Um, what about Monster Hunter like Double Cross for Switch? Are you guys going to localize it? <laughs> and Capcom's response, no. Yeah. But then Only when, the... when fans freaked out did they then send a second response like, we have no plans <laughs> on announced On the Monster that... Hunter Twitter. Yeah, where there's like, we have no plans announced at this time. It's like, so what was the no? So obviously now they're reconsidering. And if a
1: game is coming, why, but... like, why deny it? I'm yeah, not...
0: and the thing is, like, Monster Hunter World isn't coming for another year at least. And it's Western-oriented. So for the, like, traditional Monster Hunter experience... And as a stopgap, why not release Double Cross on Switch, say in like October or November? I don't I will say there's that there's a proven um, fan base of Nintendo fans who like Monster Hunter. I don't get I
1: was it. Um, reading up on the demos that um were shown at E three and yep. all the changes that are coming to this new Monster Hunter. Yeah. And even like the parts that are quote unquote like westernized, a lot of the changes made to the game are really, really good ones. Like stuff that it almost feel it almost feels like they're solving a lot of Issues. Well, to be honest, it's almost ma- like the the Breath of the Wild of Monster Hunter. To be honest, Monster Hunter has a lot act- of archaic systems. Yeah, because now you're actually hunting. Yeah. Instead of having like holding L and then going through your entire inventory with a little quick scroll wheel, now you have that circle mapping, kind of like what Skyward Sword had, where you just pick a weapon from a circle around you. Or yeah. guess your I don't. It's just faster. Everything's just more. Everything feels more efficient. And now you're once again, now you're actually hunting. Right. It lives up to its name. Instead- and you're hunting in a world.
0: Well, you know. Yeah. And you're hunting monsters in a world. Monster hunter yeah. a world. Wow. Oh, yeah. No, but, uh, yeah, it does, like, it does look pretty cool. Like, I've never been, you know I don't really play Monster Hunter, but, the, like, World, when I saw World, I admittedly, I was like, the graphics don't seem as good as they could be, given what it's on, but it does look
1: Basically, pretty those cool games like like a ton, which is probably why the graphics top, are. Yeah. But, because,
0: like, on 3DS, they were really pushing what the 3DS can oh, do. Oh, yeah, like... But on those PS4, 4, they're like... not pushing what the PS4 can do, especially when you have, like, the Pro as a thing now, but... Yeah. Nonetheless, but it's it's not just Mar. It's not just a uh, Capcom. I mean, that's like weirdly absent on Switch. How about the fact that we're not getting Dragon Ball Fighter Z from Bandai Namco? Bandai Namco, they're best friends with Nintendo. They made Pokemon. They help with the Mario Sports games. And Smash they have Brothers. a special thank you credit in Arms and Smash Brothers. And Smash Brothers. That's right. And they can't bring a Dragon Ball fighting game made by Arc System Works, who also is a long time Nintendo support, to Switch. That's just That seems weird, especially when when the developers have outright said the Switch can run it, so now there's a petition going around, and they're like, oh, fans are interested, maybe we'll do it. How would you... How did you not anticipate fans? You're bringing the other Dragon Ball fighter. How to do you switch. know that they're bringing anyone... the Xeno whatever two fighter to switch? Why not the good one?
1: <laughs> I mean, how do you really say that in general? I mean, like, how do you know that the PS4 fans are in particular more interested in the Switch fans? Like, you don't really that's know. What's so you, that's so like, weird. You never know until you see sales data. That's how you know,
0: right? And, and granted, Switch is very new and sales data is very new, but they're already committing a different Dragon Ball to Switch, so they clearly think the audience
1: will be there. I feel like this so. One why not better... bring the superior one? Yeah, this one feel like a better... The other one is... Uh, it's a 3D like a... It's, like an... it's Tekken. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like an MMO. Xenoverse? I thought it was like a Tekken... No, Xenoverse is more like an MMO. Really? And I that's know, coming to Switch over I, I, this. I know there's some more like some fighting stuff to it, but it's like the Dragon Ball MMO where you can like, create huh. your own character.
0: Wait, but you're still fighting.
1: It's still a fighting game, no? I know, the, I know there's fighting aspects to it, but... Interesting. I had no idea. I, remember... I thought it was a
0: fighting game this whole time.
1: I, yeah, I know it's not straight up a fight. Those are like, more like the Budokai, Tenkai... Whatever. Well... Bandai Namco is clearly aware of Nintendo's interest in competitive play
0: because they are literally making Pokin right now for the Switch. So who thought it was a good idea to not bring the competitive play Dragon Ball in favor of the MMO Dragon Ball? That's so bizarre to me. I know the a out, but I know it's definitely... Yeah, what? Well, it's, it's just... I don't get Now, I mean, granted, there's petitions going around. Even uh, Vegeta's voice actor has publicly supported the Switch version, which is kind of funny. But yeah, so, you know, it'll happen eventually. But all this just goes to show that, like, no matter what Nintendo does, they can't seem to quite win it with third parties. And they're trying. They're really trying. Reggie did an interview with IGN where he was saying that they learned so much from the Wii U about having the right dev tools. and so it's they like are a hybrid of both. Oh, interesting. Okay. But, yeah, I was starting to say that. Um, like, Nintendo's, to their credit is trying. Because, like, Reggie, in an interview with IGN, just to catch you back up since you're looking at your phone, he was saying – the point I was going to make is he was saying that Nintendo's really trying to get the right dev tools – as in, they saw with Wii U, they didn't have Unreal. They saw with Wii U, they didn't have the right things. So they, you know, they're they're, they're learning from their mistakes. And I, I can't help but wonder, maybe it's not enough. I mean, if Capcom, your buddies at Capcom and Bandai Namco are both bailing somewhat, or at least not living up to their Wii U days. No,
1: how could they? They featured two Capcom characters in Smash Brothers. It's just so weird to me. Now, perhaps no, not everyone gets that. Perhaps honor. it's
0: more than dev tools. That's my theory. Because mm. if you look at what Nintendo's doing now with some other games, it makes a lot more sense. Take Mario and Rabbids. Obviously, they gave a Mara, but also they're the ones publishing it in Japan, not Ubisoft. Nintendo's somewhat financing this thing. Or take Skyrim here in the U.S. Skyrim for Switch is Nintendo mm, the published, game that won't die, and it's somehow Nintendo published now. Not only will it not die, but it's like moving to new. It's like taking over new host bodies. Like it's like a zombie. It's in VR now. It's in VR now, not published by Nintendo. And and in the case of Skyrim, though the Switch version, they're actually like fying it a little to better appeal to nintendo fans probably to boost sales probably to get bethesda to do it like there's motion controls for fighting and stuff and i think lock picking of all things there's um outfits and gears from zelda that you can bring in using amiibo you scan them and you get like the master sword and uh the hylian shield and the blue tunic from breath of the wild and all that
1: you mean the champions too? yeah the
0: champions tunic um and then it also comes with all the official uh, add-ons that came out after Skyrim itself, built into the, like baked into the cartridge. So like Nintendo, when they go it's the extra mile, DX. huh? Yeah, they, right or deluxe, yeah. But the um, all the stuff they're they're Nintendo's trying. They're really trying, but it's just weird that Capcom Bandai apparently aren't enough. Now on the other hand, it does work out in spades for some in some cases. For example, Rocket League. Rocket League. Is one of the biggest competitive games out there right now. It's big enough that NBC Sports, I think I mentioned this earlier, but they are going to broadcast it on TV. And it's now coming to Switch. It's not just coming to Switch, but it is going to have exclusive Switch items like Mario Hats for your car and special battle cards you can only use on Switch. And it's going to run in a full 60 frames per second, 720p, both docked and undocked. It's going to have local multiplayer for the first time, a Rocket League that can have local multiplayer wirelessly. And, biggest of all, crossplay. Nintendo's bending over backwards so much for developers now, they, of all companies, are willing to do crossplay. They're saying, you want to have PlayStation and Xbox and PC? We'll let you have PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. Which is really Unfortunately, awesome. PlayStation's like, no, we will not. But we'll get to that in a sec. Because it's not just Rocket League. Like, there's, honestly, there's not a ton to say about Rocket League. I'm excited. I have always wanted to play Rocket League. It looks really good. Cool the closest I got was Blast Ball and Metroid Prime Federation Force but I watched to play real Rocket League and when that was announced I was like oh this is great and also yeah, one of my co-workers it's
1: definitely like it's like right at home at Nintendo, yeah. it's, like definitely something it Nintendo feels per-
0: it's like perfect for the whole competitive multiplayer thing and also one of my co has been literally nagging me for two months about getting Rocket League and I'm like but I, it's not on Switch and now it's on Switch it comes out this holiday so it's a little bit of a wait but still but it's, it's not just Rocket League that is doing the whole crossplay thing it's also Minecraft Minecraft the last announcement of E3 that we'll be covering this episode, and then we'll get to the contest, and then we'll end. But Minecraft, wow, what a up they're doing to Minecraft.
1: Mm-hmm. They're really
0: streamlining it. But Minecraft is another example to tie it into what we're talking about is another example of Nintendo going an extra mile for a publisher to get their game on the system. Now, before we get like into, Minecraft, like one of the most like, social games. Right. And there. they had the Mario, yeah, which would make sense on Switch to begin with, but they had the Mario pack to get on Wii U, and then they brought it to the Switch. So, before I get full into Minecraft, real quick, I just wanted to say that I find it interesting, and it's kind of Nintendo's curse, I guess, because of their history with third parties. It seems like the only way to get actual third party content is if Nintendo literally, like, caters to every individual developer's individual game. Nam- Nam- uh, Namco Bandai would love to bring, you know, Pokemon to help make Pokemon but if you want their other game, well, you got to give them something for it. Remember Tekken Tag Tournament on Wii U? Yeah. That had Mario outfits. We never saw another fighting game from Namco Bandai
1: on yeah, the Wii U. Not even Tekken 7. Yeah, or like I don't even know if that game would be able to run on it.
0: Or like uh, you know, it's it's just I it sucks cuz Nintendo cannot do that. There's no way they can. Or like Monster Hunter Double Cross that has you know, exclusive Nintendo DLC on it.
1: You yeah, have the Breath Zelda, the, Wild, the yeah. Breath of
0: the Wild costume, but you know it doesn't have exclusive Nintendo things. Mega Man because that way it makes sense so we don't get Mega Man uh, Saturday morning Disney because well what would you do there so we don't get it like it's this weird I don't think it's a perfect one to one of like Nintendo's not giving them something so we don't get it but it's kind of a funny pattern that's emerging probably by coincidence
1: I but mean still. I don't know why Capcom, I mean like only all the Neo Geo games that we're getting and those are still like selling really well like, yeah they've sold over a million I think yeah. between all of them Yeah, yeah they, they made some announcement recently how like excited they are that it's selling so well that they're going to keep making more yeah. and whatnot. But...
0: Yeah, and then Minecraft, again, is like kind of the pinnacle of this Nintendo Collaborative third-party yeah. thing. And One dude, of the biggest the new... games
1: right now, and making a it cross-play, that's crazy. That's huge. No a cross-play, it so makes... they're,
0: ditching, they're ditching all the different editions. So if you buy Minecraft, you know what they're doing? Microsoft had this strategy a couple of years ago where we're like, we're no longer like an, a... a vertical like top to bottom it's not like you're exclusively in the Microsoft ecosystem we are platform agnostic now so you can you can use word on your iphone on your mac on your pc on your tv on your refrigerator whatever you want we'll support it and now they're doing that with minecraft now they mm-hmm. always sort of did it with Makes minecraft the console
1: versions way better yeah. now
0: and they always sort of did it with minecraft cuz you know obviously every system under the sun is minecraft now but it was always very like isolated. So now what they're doing is going no no no. If you use my Mi- if you use Microsoft Word, it's the same word on everything. All your files are on everything. If you use Minecraft, it's your same mining on or your same crafting on everything. It's your exact world on everything. It's all about that Microsoft account. That's the thing that's stringing it all together. So really, these are all just different portals yeah, into the I same world. You have to world.
1: sign in on your Microsoft account on Nintendo console.
0: That's what's weird. So you have to sign to Xbox Live on your Switch this fall this summer. To use Minecraft's new um, interconnected servers, but you can't sign into your Nintendo Online account on your Switch until 2018. How's that for weird? <laughs> like, what uh, a backwards move. Microsoft beat them in. to the punch. Seriously, it's, yeah. I think it's they funny.
1: even said that because you have a Microsoft account, that they were they're looking into, I guess, like achievements and stuff.
0: Yeah, if Nintendo's game for it, they're yeah. game for it. But it, it's just Which interesting. Which is weird like, like, you have
1: only achievements for this game. If, like, if this is the only. If you don't own any Microsoft systems at all, like, just the Switch then that's it yeah and and the thing there's a it achievements in the game but I don't know some people just really love achievements and nothing against them some people
0: just love that woo sound effect whenever you do something good Yeah. but uh, I, I will say the, the Minecraft update beyond just like the crossplay, play it's, they're making some strides here like the super deluxe texture pack we don't get 4k on the switch obviously but they're basically revamping the entire look of the game they're like up everything I mean granted it's still gonna be pixely and all that but like crisp pixels Instead, of fuzzy pixels. Like mm-hmm. it's 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 kind of impressive to see because you know Microsoft could very easily just do cross-play and call it a day. They could just do the pe- texture pack and call it a day. But they are doing that. They're doing both at the same time, all for free for anyone who owns it on Switch. And then on top of that, they're also bringing Minecraft we- uh, Realms to Switch, which means. You can either do these cross-play uh, servers where you're playing with hundreds or thousands of other people in a giant world that has no that no longer has physical world limits. Yeah, because it's now I guess more cloud side. I don't know. Yeah, because the
1: or, the world limits. Um. Yeah, I guess like, some people think that it's um power related, which I could definitely see why. Because like the more powerful yeah. the console is, all like, well, the bigger the world limit is. But yeah. it's just memory based. Just right, whatever, and I, I guess yeah. if they
0: if they're streaming it from the web. Yeah, I don't know how that would work with, so is it literally streaming in is it because Xbox One they it's on won, their that's right the, the
1: that's memories so it's, it's on uh, it's on an external server so that's
0: super interesting because the Xbox One one of the selling points for it when they first announced it was we have cloud computing powering the graphics so you may have limited amount of graphics in your box when you get it day one but we can render 10 times the number of enemies in your giant battle if you connect to Xbox Live like it was a pitch for Xbox yeah. and then I guess they scrapped that now that they have Xbox One uh, X horrible name by the way it's such, it looks like a broken pound room. but, um,
1: I love that, um, it image abbreviates that, to Xbox. Uh, I love that, um, that image that surfaced after it with the whole like one Xbox box. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Dude, it's, it's literally the Wii U naming thing all over again,
1: mm-hmm. but now it's
0: Microsoft's turn. But anyway, my point was, um, I guess now Xbox one X is like a graphical powerhouse. They're now shifting those resources of look, we could do cloud side gaming computing over to Minecraft, which is smart. Cause then they could put it on literally any platform under the sun and it will run yeah. equally well. But yeah, it, but what I was gonna say is, in addition to the public servers, in addition to the um, texture pack, they're also bringing Minecraft Realms, which is a whole another thing that'll be accessible within this Minecraft update, where you can have private servers for just you and your friends, yep, which just is pretty cool. Just send an itself. invite, and yeah, and they're hosting the servers, from my understanding.
1: Yeah, now. so those would also have, because I mean, you're playing with yep. people on PC, so that's actually what I'm going to be doing, and,
0: and Xbox and. Yeah, iPhone no. and Android and
1: all of it. But that's actually what I plan to be using with Obit and another friend. Because he's on get, PC, right? Yeah, just yeah. to get back to where we were on Minecraft.
0: But yeah, the the one funny thing about all this Minecraft stuff, Sony's not doing it. PlayStation's out. As Bowser, oh, yeah, Here's what's yeah. crazy: is PlayStation's saying it's they've got to be mindful of their responsibility to their install base. Minecraft, the demographic playing it, you know as well as I do, it's all ages, but it's also very young. We have a contact with the people who go online. We have a contract with the people who go online with us that we look after them, and they are within the PlayStation curated universe. Exposing one, many cases, our children to external influences we have no ability to manage or look after. It's something we think we have to think about very carefully. If I read you that quote without prefacing it with PlayStation, that would have been Nintendo, say a year ago,
1: yeah.
0: two years ago. It is so weird how quickly that turned. Also, what a dumb BS excuse. Microsoft is well aware of what Minecraft is. They are well aware of the user base. They are not going to like. They're, they're like not going to show. It's almost like an insult. It is. Honestly. Mm-hmm. It really is. They're basically like, we don't trust. It's. I mean, it's total BS. It's because they're the platform leader. They have absolutely no reason to do cross platform. It's only going to hurt them, not help them. It'll help the other guys, but it'll hurt the leader. Yeah. So it makes sense, but it's just like, come on, Sony. At least come up with a better excuse. Like Nintendo. For all their
1: backwards
0: Just thinking, the fact that they at doing... least have excuses that are some level of logical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the fact that Nintendo is doing it, it completely undermines that. Yeah,
1: and that I mean point. Nintendo. It sounds like for the most part, yeah, like they're definitely very well-protective. but they'll usually do they'll usually try something until something bad happens, and then they'll pull it. Yeah, like like, like a swap, swap Note, note. Yeah.
0: and then it came back as a uh, whatever it is now,
1: Thoppadoodle, um, Swapdoodle.
0: <laughs> Which, by the way, sounds more inappropriate than Swap Note. Like, if, <laughs> if I was told, hey, guess what? There are pedophiles on an app by Nintendo where you draw, and they put two names side by side, and it was Swap Note or Swap-a-Doodle, I'm pretty sure I'd be like, ah, Swap-a-Doodle is the perfect <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I know, my
1: bad. It's swap doodle not Swap-a-Doodle.
0: Well, Swap, it's still the same issue. swap doodle sounds bad. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just so backwards to see, and it led to all this drama during E3. So, I hope, honestly, for PlayStation players, I hope Sony comes around, because, like, they're usually very, very player-first, and this is very business-first. So, we'll see. But it's very, very cool that Nintendo's on board. It's very cool to see Minecraft come to Switch in, like, this more, like, significant way that it already was. It's very cool to see Rocket League come to Switch in the first place. And don't get me wrong, for all the bashing I was doing of EA, that FIFA game's pretty legit. Like, it was fun. I probably went back and did it, like, four or five times. I enjoyed it. So, just because it's its own custom engine, it's still worth checking out. And that... Ladies and gentlemen, was E3 2017. Whee. So, we have one more matter to get to and what is soon becoming our longest episode ever. You know, you have to admit, we just covered three days of a gaming convention in about two and a half hours. And we went in-depth on a lot of it. That's, that's pretty good. Like, all things considered, that's pretty good uh,
1: time management. I'll give myself a pat on the back, but, Yeah,
0: yeah I'm, I'm, I would too, but I have to do the final bit of business which is our giveaway. We have for you right now the opportunity to win a cappy visor that Mar- that Nintendo gave out for Mario Odyssey, arms pins, Splatoon pins, a Mario Odyssey logo pin, and arms sleeves, which are like sleeves for your arms that are branded with arms. And all that can be yours, and we will ship it to you for free. It's all yours, as long as you go to Ramtown.com. Go to episode 153, which is this, this episode. Scroll down to the comment section and tell us your favorite thing from E3. It could be a favorite game. It could be a favorite mowing. It could be a favorite announcement. Could be you just gleefully looking on as Sony Nintendo's themselves over Minecraft's crossplay. Whatever it may be, tell us your favorite thing from E3. We will pick a few and share them next episode, and one of you will be chosen to win the prize pack of all this stuff. And it. It, it, there might be other stuff. I honestly don't remember all the swag I have. That's just what I remember off the top of my head. But it's going to be a nice little package. This stuff is going on eBay. Like, those hats for Mario, those visors are going on eBay last I looked for, like, 40 bucks, And it could be yours for free. So, plus pins and sleeves of arms of sleeves. So, yeah. Go around to town.com, like I said. Enter the contest there. We're, I'm curious to see what you guys think are the biggest announcements because, like, you heard what, obviously, what Andrew and I thought are the biggest things and the most interesting things, but who knows? Maybe we're way off base. Maybe I'm totally wrong about Fire Emblem Warriors. So, yeah, go leave a comment, let us know, and then come back in two weeks' time, where we will have our next episode, which is back to the regular grind of Nintendo stuff, but that's a busy grind. We're going to have ARMS Impressions. We didn't even get a chance to talk about ARMS, and it'll be out for a few weeks by then, so we'll have ARMS Impressions, not to the game, but kind of like the metagame and the competitive play that'll come out of it. We're going to have... Or lack thereof. Or lack thereof. Uh, we're gonna have my impressions, at least. I don't know if you care enough to play it of uh, Metopia. I'm really curious about it, so I'll share impressions of the demo. That's I'm up, good. That's up. Uh, I also also Pokemon Go. As we're recording this, is rolling out all sorts of new features, from raid battles to new gyms, and we'll give impressions of those next episode too. Plus, as always, the latest news, which will likely include um, some interviews from E3. There, you know, a little late to the game, so. To make sure you don't miss it, subscribe to us on uh, your favorite podcasting app, be it iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever it may be. Follow us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. You can follow us individually on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. I'm JSR7, Angel is Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. And again, I can't stress it enough, go enter to win E3 swag. The only place you're going to get is i E3, and that's long gone, so now you have to lean on us, and we are happy to provide. And we will see you in two weeks' time for our next episode on... I'm checking the date, checking the date... July 9th.